this Lcast is recorded in front of a live streaming audience. to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who, well, he just doesn't know what to do with a baby. Welcome, Jacob. Do you, do you hold them? Do you throw them around? Do you put them in a pot? I don't know what. Why, thank you. Let me introduce our, <laughs> let me introduce our co-host, a man who just had to relieve himself in a pool. Welcome, Drew. Hi. It is. I have watched many a Jim Henson film over the years. I never, in any of them, ever expect to see a puppet relieving himself. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. Also joining us tonight is a good friend of ours who was willing to help us at the last minute when, unfortunately, we had to change of plans. Welcome, Steph. Hi. <laughs> Uh, yes, unfortunately, our original uh, guest for this evening, Chase, uh, was unable to make it. Mm -hmm. So at the last minute, we put out a call, and Steph answered that call. Yes, thank and you. yeah, we are reviewing tonight *Labyrinth*, a movie I've only watched three times. <laughs> three times? Yes, three times. Huh. So yeah. So, so it's not one of these films you watch every every month, every year. You're the one who claims he watches movies every year. Yeah, I don't do it that often I, anymore, but okay. Yeah, because you realize you'd hit 52 movies that you watched a year, that is and true. you don't watch 52 a movies a year. That is true. That is true. I try to expand what I try to watch. Especially now that you have a podcast that forces you to watch Oh my gosh, ass. yes, you're not kidding. We you are not kidding. kidding. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, why don't we go ahead and jump into our spoiler-free thoughts Yes. For this. Certified fresh and spoiler free. Steph, why don't you go ahead and start us off with this? Okay, cool. Um, let's see. This movie is bizarre. <laughs> a little. There, <laughs> a little. There is some moon logic in this. <laughs> so moon logic. this is one that I watched with friends uh in high school, and I've watched it again periodically. And you know, it's weird, it's a musical, there's puppets. So, I mean, if you have a particular fondness for those three things at once, it's great. And, you know, it's Jim Henson, so you know that the puppetry and everything is going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. And it is. Um, yeah. Uh, I was going to make a comment about the music, but I don't know if that's spoilery. So I will leave that to you. I myself. mean, it was a general like or a dislike. Yeah. Well, I like or... the music a lot. I, okay. I, I actually watched it again today and realized how much I love the music. <laughs> All right. Jacob, what are your spoiler-free thoughts? Uh, my spoiler-free thoughts, I didn't watch this movie as a kid because uh, probably my parents thought it was too weird when it came out. And plus it came out 80, what is it? 86? 85. 85. Yeah, oh. I'm as old as this film. Yeah, 86, actually. Came it's out in 86. 86, yeah. I, just, I only know because I looked at the... Yeah. The copyright date is 85. 80. Okay. Oh, weird. On the credits, when I saw it today, it said 86. I could have yeah. sworn it said 85. Yeah, it's but... 86. It came out of 86. So Somewhere I looked at it, it said 85. Hmm. 
potato potato. Right, exactly. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Smash so, and boil them, put them in a stew. Thank you. Potatoes. Okay. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. But anyways, uh, so my first experience of watching this movie was, of course, in college, because uh, I had some friends, like nerdy friends. I was in arts, friends who were in mm-hmm. club and, and uh, drama and the whole bit. And they're like, oh, you got to watch Labyrinth. So I watched Labyrinth. And I'm like, what in the world is this? This is interesting. This is cool. But it's so weird. <laughs> so, so weird. It's so 80s. But it's so good 80s. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I bought it. I bought it on physical, physical media because I'm a physical media guy. Um, but overall, be like, I thoroughly enjoy this movie, even though some of it's a little bit weird, esoteric, a little bit here and there. Mm-hmm. But overall, it is a really good film. I thoroughly enjoyed it and recommend it to anybody. Uh, there again, be like, you're going to run into a lot of weird because it is the 80s and it's talking about sci-fi and fantasy and the whole mm-hmm. bit. And uh, yeah, it's a good movie to me. So yeah, what do you think, Drew? Like I said, this is my third viewing. I grew up watching the Muppets, yeah. But the other Jim Henson puppet properties that were not uh, Muppets were, uh, for whatever reason, mm. we never got around to watching. I mm. suspect Dark Crystal might have been a little too spooky. Was probably yeah. the thought a little bit. And uh, this one, well, I know my mom's not a fan of David Bowie's music, and so that probably doesn't help. Probably not. <laughs> And I probably never would have did would have expressed interest in this yeah. when I was growing up either, yeah. if I even knew it existed. Yeah. So I, mean, I actually didn't even know this movie existed until <laughs> I uh, was l- listening to another podcast twenty years ago. Oh, wow. You can believe podcasting has been around for twenty years. Yeah, right? you're not kidding. Uh, but there was another podcast I used to listen to called uh, Film Sack, where they reviewed. <laughs> Stuff that was, you know, on Netflix, so you didn't have to go find it yourself. And they talked about Labyrinth once. And okay. I was like, I'd never heard of it before I yeah. listened to that review. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get a chance of watching this film until about eight years ago. Yeah. When I just happened to see that it was sh- that Fathom Events was showing it. Oh, so I, I got to, I, my first viewing of this was in a theater. Oh, my. Oh, so jealous. Cool. So jealous. Get a lot and of, of course, details. I went and bought the Blu-ray when it was available. It's right back there. Uh, the 30th anniversary, and of course, since I bought the film, I watched it again because it's kind of silly to buy a film and then not watch it. I say, knowing how many wrapped cellophane wrapped <laughs> DVD and Blu-ray cases Me I have, too. same, including same. the uh, like half of Ultraman over there. Yeah, uh, I'm, not I'm looking at it right now. That's like half of them are still wrapped. <laughs> yeah, half of them are still wrapped because I'm still on the f- second series. But um, I. Uh, I, I, I got it then, and then, of course, I watched it today. Uh, the puppetry in this is very good, as we'll, I'm sure we'll get into. Uh, this is not my favorite Jim Henson film. Oh, really? <laughs> I may be the dark horse on this one tonight. Okay. But we will see. Uh, so, I, I, uh, but yeah, I, this, is a, this is a good film. It's just not my favorite. Sure. So, so, question, what is your favorite Jim Henson film? Uh, probably, uh, Great Muppet Caper. Okay. Mine's the Muppet Christmas Carol. (laughs) Okay. That's my favorite Muppet movie. I'm going Mm. with Jim Henson directed. Right. Got Ah. it. Got it. And Jim Henson was dead, unfortunately, by Muppet Christmas Carol. So. Yeah, that's true. I went, but uh, Jim Henson did direct uh, Great Muppet Caper, and that is my 
favorite of the old school Muppet movies. Right. So they're of the original trilogy, I should say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Follow so, that bird. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Paul, we already talked about Follow That Bird. You were there. (laughs) So, yeah. Uh, On that note, uh, I guess we are ready to spoil this thing. Yes. The following is a spoiler-filled review for the film Labyrinth. Listener discretion is advised. Labyrinth was written and directed by Jim Henson, who also wrote and directed Dark Crystal. Mm -hmm. And it was also written by Dennis Lee and Terry Jones. Yep. Getting into the cast, we've got David Bowie, of course, as Jareth, the Goblin King. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's a rock singer, as the because I could not find another role that made sense outside of his actual job. <laughs> yeah, but like he's, <laughs> really? he's, yeah. he's, yeah, he's, but like he's dabbled in, uh, he's, he's in a couple of things, but yeah. none of them were like noteworthy enough to mention. Fair. Outside of all of his music videos. Right. True. So, true. Yep. I know he was a voice in Spongebob once. He was. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think I saw also that he uh, he was in something else uh, that, w- that, was re- that was relatively recent. I can't remember what it is now. Anyway, mm-hmm. Jennifer Connelly played yes. Sarah. Mm-hmm. And in Top Gun Maverick, she played Penny Benjamin. Yes. Mm. Go- good movie. Go see it, people. Go watch it. <laughs> yeah, I still got to see that. I have to rent it. Toby mm-hmm. Froud played Toby. Toby. Oh, that's yes. cute. <laughs> the baby does have an IMDb and actually a pretty extensive IMDb, believe it or not. Really? really? But it's not as an actor as this is his only acting credit. Okay. Huh. And what he is doing now mm-hmm. is he is a sculptor for a lot of the stop motion stuff and a lot of other special effects stuff. So really? he, cool. he worked on Kubo and the two strings. Oh, I love oh. that movie. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Oh, right on. And of movies we haven't reviewed, he worked on uh, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Oh, he did. Wow. So he has been busy. No kidding. That's awesome. I love that. I love when people, like, they may not think acting is good for them because he's Mm -hmm. obviously a toddler, but, Mm -hmm. you know, when they go into something else creative, that's so cool. I love that. Oh, yeah. Oh, agreed. Mm -hmm. Brian Henson played and performed Hoggle and a Goblin. Mm-hmm. And in Return to Oz, oh, he played Jack Pumpkinhead. Oh, that I a, love that character, actually. That was a good movie. I'll be like, I remember seeing that as a kid, and mm-hmm. oh my gosh, creep that crap out of me. Yeah, it's, it's of the course weird it does. Okay, it's the 80s. It's, what do you expect? Yeah. Well, that and the only one of those stories that doesn't creep you mm. the crud out mm. is like the first mm. one. All the other ones get off into the deep end of weirdness. True. Uh, Ron Mueck, I probably said his name wrong, (laughs) um, played Ludo, Fiery Number 2, and a Goblin. And in something called The Tale of the Bunny Picnic, he was the storyteller. It's Apparently it was, from what I I figured out, it might have been. Because like this guy does a, did a lot of other voice work. Hmm. I was just trying to find something that was not video game. Hmm. Fair. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, Dave Goals was the puppeteer for Sir Didymus, the hat, one of the four guards, the left door knocker, and fiery number three. Huh. Mm-hmm. 
and he is most well known for playing Gonzo the Great, uh, the Great Gonzo, Doctor Bunsen Honeydew, Zoot, Beauregard, and Waldorf on the Muppets. I love that. <clears throat> David Shaughnessy was the voice of Sir Didymus the Hat, one of the four guards, though ironically not the same one as Dave Goals played, and a goblin. And in the movie Big Hero Six, he played the butler Heathcliff. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. That's a deep cut. Wow. Yeah. Steve Whitmire, the puppeteer for Ambrosius, <laughs> was one of the four guards, fiery number four, and he is most well known for being the second performer for Kermit the Frog after Jim Henson. Oh, okay. Kevin Clash mm-hmm. was another puppeteer for Ambrosius. You already know why I'm at so yes. something like this. Yes. He was one of the four guards, and uh, he is most well-known as Splinter. No, uh, maybe, but <laughs> well, he's also a puppeteer and voice for Fiery Number 1. Uh, but he is most well-known for Elmo. Indeed. I hate Elmo. Oh, you hate him? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I hate Elmo. Elmo. <laughs> I want to see that puppet burn. <laughs> I mean, there's a gif that does that where he's like this and it's on fire. So like, I yeah, guess. I that. <laughs> which I always, I always interpreted that as welcome to Hades. Yeah, <laughs> cool. Let it burn. Yeah. Let it burn. Let, Let it burn. Lastly, we have Percy Edwards, who was the voice of Ambrosius. And he was also the voice of Fizzgig in the Dark Crystal. A little furball. That's right. Oh, the one that goes, ah! Yeah, him. <laughs> That's amazing. So, Kingdom Hearts Connections. Hadn't done this in a month. <laughs> that is true. Mm. Guess how many? I guess three. You're Step- both wrong. Okay. okay. Down. Oh. One. Yes, it's one. One, okay. <laughs> a single solitary one. It was in Rital, who was the voice of one of the goblins here. And in Kingdom Hearts 3, he replaced the uh, the voice actor for Scrooge McDuck, who before was the one from the cartoon. Oh, yeah, because he passed away. Because he had passed away. Right. So, yeah, this is pre-David Tennant. Yes. Got it. <laughs> I wonder if they have David Tennant do all the voices now. Probably not, but... Uh, it, well, it's not that design of uh, a Scrooge yeah. McDuck that David Tennant does. Oh, you, you, never know, you, you never know, know. You never know. <laughs> you never know. So, yeah, that's what I've got for cast lists. What do we got in info and stuff? All right. So info and stuff. That's uh, a little bit. So we'll get through it a little fast. All right. So IMDb has a 7.3 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes is 75%. Watch. You can't stream it anywhere, but you can rent it on. Actually, you can buy it to stream it now. On Apple TV. Oh, oh that makes sense. That yeah, totally and I makes sense. it on um, Prime. Oh, it yeah. Like so, like, literally, like, came out within the last 48 hours. Okay. <laughs> really? Like, the yeah, really? Huh. You guys picked the best one and <laughs> the best timing, so I could see it, too. It's yeah, amazing. there you go. That was, that was entirely our point. Totally. <laughs> so, apparently, now you can rent and buy on uh, Apple TV. And Amazon. And Amazon. Uh, you can rent both. Uh, on Apple TV, you can rent it for $3.99. And Amazon, you can rent it for $2.99. Production was from Henson Associates and Lucasfilm, Inc. Distributed by 
Tricer, uh, Tricer Pictures' original release date was June 27th, 1980, 1986, and here in the, no, 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 correction, here in the United States and in the United Kingdom, December 2nd. Uh, it had a runtime of 101 minutes going into the box office. It had a budget of $25 million, estimated wise. Uh, it's opening weekend for America and Canada. Uh, on June 29th was $3.5 million. It's gro- it's domestic gross here in America and Canada was 13.7. Not a good sign. It's domestic, it's international gross was a little bit, a little bit more, $14.6 million. So the movie didn't do well in the theaters. Sad. But yes, because now it's become a cool classic here. That it. seems to be what always happens. Welcome to popular movies from the 80s. That is yeah, true. exactly. <laughs> that is so true. Very true. All right, going into home home video release. Uh, Labit was first released on VHS, Betamax, and, and Pan-to-Scan Laserdisc in 1987. Uh, United States by Channel Five by Channel Five distributed in the UK. Uh, New Line Home Video re-released the film on Laserdisc on widescreen through Image Entertainment in 1994. Sony Pictures Home Entertainment reissued the film on VHS for the first time in 1999 in the United States under uh, a subsidy contract with Columbia's TriStar in the UK at the same time. With Inside the Labyrinth including the special features, the film was made. Uh, the film made its first DVD premiere in 1999 in the United States. Uh, let's see, and since has been re-released on DVD in 2003, 2007, 2016. All DVD releases of the film include include Inside the Labyrinth documentary as an extra. In 2003, the re-release was described as um, described as a collector's edition and featured a set of exclusive uh, collector's cards that featured concepts from Brian Fuller. In 2007, it was released, uh, 2000 was released, promoted, promoted as the anniversary edition featured commentary from Brian Fuller and newly produced uh, making of documentary Journey Through, Journey Through the Labyrinth uh, kingdom, uh, kingdom of characters and journey through the labyrinth, journey the quest for of the goblin of the goblin city. Uh, let's see, the film was released for the first time on Blu-ray in two thousand nine. Uh, let's see, it had a bunch of features. Uh, this also included the two thousand seven extra extra features. Uh, the thirtieth anniversary was released in two thousand sixteen on DVD, Blu-ray, and four K Blu-ray. Uh, let's see. We had an Amazon exclusive version. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. In 2021, a 35th anniversary limited edition of Labyrinth was released on Blu-ray, 4K Blu-ray, and had um, had a set of digi book designed uh to re- uh resemble. Sarah's book from the film, 2021 Blu-ray disc, uh, had the same transfer from 2016, while the 2021 4K Blu-ray included a upgraded 4K transfer with Dolby Visual. Uh, H, uh, HD, uh, HDR, special features, 
with, with 25 minutes of deleted scenes and extended scenes and optional commentary and 55 minutes of footage so originally on its uh, original audience of the role of Sarah in two, in 2024 uh let's see yeah like shout factory got the distributing rights for it along with dark crystal and as of most recently it is available now to digitally own mm -hmm. on what drew said earlier apple tv apple tv mm -hmm. and, uh, and amazon <laughs> when i first looked at it it said do you want to pre-order this for 26 dollars no. i said no <laughs> I do not want to have pay twenty six dollars for a ten year old for, for a thirty year old film, 30, nearly forty year old film. Yeah, exactly. And you get to rent for four dollars afterward. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> Especially when I knew I owned a copy, and mm. the only reason I was looking online is because I was being lazy. Yes. <laughs> fair, fair. All right. So going into sequels, there actually was a plan for a sequel, and it never Ooh. happened. It never happened. Okay. All right. So in two in two thousand sixteen. Uh, Nicole Perlman announced that she had hired, was hired to write a script for the sequel of Labyrinth in 2017. Uh, I'm going to butcher this, this person's name, so I apologize. Uh, for, uh, I'm just going to butcher, I apologize. Uh, signed on director as well as co-written by Jay Burst. Uh, uh, Jay Burst, that is, him, uh, uh, Lisa Harris hmm, Henson, sorry, Jim Henson. Uh, Jim Henson's daughter was named as producer in 2008. Uh, uh, the script was confirmed to be completed in 2020. However, uh, the director announced that he was stepping away from stepping away in 2020. Uh, Scott Richmond. They're again probably gonna butcher it. Uh, known for directing Doctor Strange was announced as director. Uh, Maggie Lemons joined joined him as writer of the script. The film, the Jim Henson Company's Brian Henson was set to exclusively produce the film. But in 2021, uh, let's see. The the last we heard it was in 2021 when Jenner Connolly built. She had a conversation about being involved with the Labyrinth sequel but was was unsure about what was going to happen. And that's all we know about a possible sequel. sequel. It's It's been... Uh, Limbo. Ow. <laughs> ow. You okay? Don't you love when you, you pull a hair on your, your mustache? Mm -hmm. Oh, gosh, it hurts. Um, but, yeah, that's that's all I remember stuff. There's no... Uh, unless someone else knows what's going on with the Labyrinth sequel, if we're ever going to see it at all. But... Um, It'd be kind of hard because but Dave Bowie's no longer with us, mm. so who can play Jareth? I know they did manga could sequels. Maybe, you could maybe do it without the Goblin King, but that would be odd. Yeah. yeah. It's the, well, if they had, and like, plus maybe be kind of Toby weird following be a, hmm? have Have Toby, like... like Toby got, be the new Goblin King? Basically, that's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> that would be well, good. they did that in, in a manga. They did a manga sequel, and that was the thing. Jareth, like, kidnapped him to... Um, sorry, spoiler for this... Um, basically trying to do that, have Toby become his heir, pretty much. So they, okay. they okay. have made Good little that. sequels, but nothing can. Well, I mean, there is that one line in the film 
where Jareth says, I think I'll call him Jareth. He has mm-hmm. my eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which made me actually think this is a crazy fan theory that immediately was disproven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is there some kind of weird time travel thing where the goblin, Jareth, the goblin king, is actually Toby from the future? Mm. <laughs> but I have a theory, that's but it's not, not where really that went. That. Right, right, yeah. I have a theory, but yeah. That'll it's come a, later. Not a good game theory, but thanks it, for watching. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So anyway, getting into the plot summary for this. Yes. While in the park with her dog Merlin, 16-year-old Sarah recites from a book called The Labyrinth, but is unable to remember the last line. Realizing that she is late to babysit her infant half-brother Toby, she rushes home and is confronted by her stepmother, who leaves for dinner with Sarah's father. Frustrated that Toby was given her treasured teddy bear, Lancelot, and by his constant crying, Sarah rashly wishes that Toby be taken away by the goblins from her book. Toby disappears, and the Goblin King Jareth appears, offering Sarah her dreams in exchange for the baby. She refuses, instantly regretting her wish. Jareth reluctantly gives Sarah 13 hours to solve the labyrinth and find Toby before he is turned into a goblin forever. Sarah meets a dwarf named Hoggle, who aids her to uh, enter the labyrinth. She has trouble finding her way at first and meets a talking worm who inadvertently sends her in the wrong direction. Mm, Sarah ends up in an oubliette where she reunites with Hoggle. The two are confronted by Jareth, escape one of his traps, and encounter a large beast called Ludo. Hoggle flees in a cowardly fashion, while Sarah befriends Ludo after freeing him from a trap, and loses, but loses him in the forest. Hoggle encounters Jareth, who instructs him to give an enchanted peach to Sarah, calling his loyalty into question, as he was supposed to take her back to the beginning of the labyrinth. Mm-hmm. Sarah is harassed by a group of creatures called the Fire Gang, but Hoggle comes to her aid. She kisses him, and they fall through a trap door that sends them to a flatulent swamp called the Bog of Eternal Stench, where they reunite with Ludo. The trio meet the guard of the swamp, the anthropomorphic fox terrier, Sir Didymus, and his bearded collie Steed, Ambrosius. Ludo summons a trail of rocks to save Sarah from falling into the bog, and Didymus joins the group. The group gets hungry, and so Hoggle gives Sarah the peach and runs away as she falls into a trance and forgets her quest. She dreams that Jareth comes to her at a masquerade ball, proclaiming his love for her, but she rebuffs him and escapes, falling into a junkyard outside the Goblin City near Jareth's castle. An old junk lady fails to brainwash her, and she is rescued by Ludo and Sardinius. They are confronted by the humong- humongous robot robotic gar- gate guard. There's a tongue twister. <laughs> they are confronted by the humongous robotic gate guard, but Hoggle comes to their rescue. Despite his feeling unworthy of forgiveness for his betrayal, Sarah and the others welcome him back, and they enter the city together. Jareth is alerted to the group's presence and sends his goblin army to stop them. Ludo summons a multitude of rocks to chase the goblins away and enter the castle. Saren says she must face Jareth alone and promises to call the others if needed. In a room modeled after M.C. Escher's relativity, she confronts Jared while trying to retrieve Toby. She recites lines from the book that mirror her adventure to that point, but still cannot remember the last line. Jareth offers Sarah her dreams again, but she remembers the final line, line you have no power over me. Defeated at the last second, Jareth returns Sarah and Toby home, turns into a barn owl, and flies away. Realizing how important Toby is to her, Sarah gives him Lancelot and returns to her room as her father and stepmother return home. She sees her friends in the mirror and admits that even though she has grown up, she still needs them in her life, whereupon the Labyrinth characters appear in a room for a raucous reunion party, hugging each other in joy. Jareth, in his barn owl form, watches their celebration from outside and then flies off into the moonlight. That's a heck of a mouthful. Indeed. A little bit. <laughs> Getting into the trivia for this. 
the owl, well, let's face it, Jareth, in the opening title sequence, is computer-generated. And it's the first attempt at photorealistic CGI animal character in a feature film. Oh. Yeah, definitely the Uh, first attempt. First real attempt. I mean... It looks good. You don't get me wrong. Yeah. But boy, can you tell. Yeah, you can tell. Has but it, it looks aged well? Good. That's a good attempt. It I is, mean, it, yes. it it it's got double digit polygons, but that's about the best. But it's a low poly. double digits. Yes, <laughs> but it looks nice. Like it does look good. Really yes, and the little mirror effects and everything. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. The various things that Jareth does with the crystal <laughs> balls, rolling them around in his arms and his hands and so forth, are not camera tricks or any other kind of special effect. They're actually done by choreographer Michael Motion who is an accomplished juggler. Motion was actually crouched behind David Bowie with his arms replacing Bowie's. Unlike, but unlike typical Muppet performers, he had no video screen to view his performance. So his, his manipulations were all performed completely blind. Oh my God. I'm you would think of- this being a Muppet performance, they would at least give him the same tools they give the Muppet performers. Well, nope. especially like, like when you're, you're, sitting. you're juggling, you're juggling balls. You can't have a camera. Like, <laughs> you can't have a monitor. He, the thing where he sits like kind of on a ledge. So that means that guy had to be crouched down by his butt and go, uh, while he was, exactly. while he was doing that. Oh my there's gosh. Some, there's some, uh, uh, <laughs> There are some positions that I'm fairly certain those Muppet performers had to be in that are just as bad. Yeah. And they all got televisions <laughs> to see what they were doing. Yes. That's true. That's a good, that's so, a good point. That's fair. That's, that's fair. all I'm saying. <laughs> all he got was David's, David Bowie's backside. It's like, mm-hmm. how do you do this? Pray David Bowie doesn't fart on her. That job in goes right up the... Oh my gosh. Oh, in the scene where Toby is seated on the Goblin King Jareth's lap, the baby had a fixed and hypnoticized look off camera as Jareth murmurs evilly in his ear. In fact, Toby screamed so much during the many takes of this scene that something had to be done to keep him quiet. Fortunately, a crew member had a glove puppet uh, of a British character called Sooty. And for the duration of Jareth's speech, David Bowie had the Sooty Papa on his hand, out of shot, gently wiggling to distract Toby. The child <laughs> was in trance, hence the hypnotic stare, and the perfect silence. Nice. That's one way to do it. Yes. Fair. The sources of the characters can be seen in Sarah's bedroom at the beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. She has a stuffed animal that looks like Sir Didymus on her dresser, Mm -hmm. a doll that looks like Ludo on the shelves next to her door, along with the book, Where the Wild Things Are, which is where a lot of the goblin designs obviously were based off of. Uh, A fiery doll on the shelves next to her bed, bookends with goblins reminiscent of Hoggle on her dresser, and a figurine of Jareth on the right-hand side of her desk. After you see the Hoggle bookend, there's a scrapbook shown, and it shows newspaper clippings of Sarah's actress mother with another man that looks strangely like David Bowie. Mm Mm-hmm. In addition, the dress that she wears in the ballroom scene can be seen adorning the miniature doll in her music box, Uh and a wooden maze game on her dresser next to the books is reminiscent of the hedge section of the labyrinth. Mm -hmm. There is also a small painting on her wall that depicts a contraption much like the one opened, operated by the cleaners Mm. from which Sarah and Hoggle had to escape, and there is a copy of the famous picture uh, from M.C. Escher, which is used in the room where the final confrontation with Jareth occurs. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like this, this all my imagination. It <laughs> might, that, that explains the moon logic. Yes, it does. The moon logic. 
There were over 100 pairs of latex hands made for the helping hand scene. Oh, that's oh, how funny. Mm-hmm. And lastly, Sarah's dog Merlin also appears as Sir Diddy Mrs. Steed Ambrosius. Yes. I love that. This is a subtle joke because Ambrosius was the wizard Merlin's other name. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Oh, I like that. And that's all I've got for trivia. Uh, So, uh, Steph, Stephanie, what's your first like for this film? Okay. I have to say the puppet design and um, the overall puppet acting. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so good. I love it. (laughs) Because, like, when you were talking about the different um, projects that Jim Henson has done in the past, he, he kind mm-hmm. of tend to go more avant-garde from stuff that I've seen. And that plays a lot more into his style, like the hands, the two headed doors, the, and the fact that like almost all of them could be made into physical jokes or puns, mm-hmm. which is the best thing. The knocker who doesn't like his knocker in his mouth. And, you know, I love the little worm. He's the cutest thing. He's so small. But it's such a cute little design. It's simple, you know, just yeah. a little worm with a little scarf. It's just it's yeah. really cute. But um, I've always loved the way that they act, because it's basically acting whenever they have the people in the costumes, in mm-hmm. the puppetry and everything. So it's amazingly good. And the fact that they look like monsters, like, you know, you have two ends of the spectrum, uh, dark crystal, super super gritty a little scary you know and then muppets which are very indefined and i feel like these guys are kind of cartoony yes yeah 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 so i love it jacob what's your first like for this my my first like of this film would be the overarching story of growing up growing up you have sarah who is Mm -hmm. Uh, 16. Conley was actually 14 when she played this mm-hmm. role. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, I mean, like she she brings her A game at 14 years old. That's Jim and knees. Oh my gosh! But uh, you you have this young girl who is stuck in her own fantasy. She wants to be a child forever, and uh, it's it's a great story. It's a great almost morality story of growing up. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have this uh girl who wants to live in her fantasy and not, not kind of deal with reality in a way. Mm-hmm. And you have the, the having to like her, her quote unquote evil stepmother tells her you, you need to go on dates instead of come out here and play your books and the whole bit. And uh, there's all, all these really great analogies of like having to grow up and mm-hmm. you know, like in scripture, it talks about uh, uh, when I was a child, I did childish things, but now as an adult, I, I do, I've, I've cast away, um, childish things which i think is adults who do a podcast for over animated <laughs> films have we really done away with childish things he though i will quote uh c.s lewis when he also quoted that scripture he ended that with uh, one of the childish things i get away with was trying to act grown up that is true that is so true <laughs> but it's that, that's that was that was a scripture that's that kind of came, came to me when i was when i was watching this or kind of coming in with my verse like because there's so many layers to this story of how sarah has to grow up and where she she calls upon the goblin king to take uh toby away because she wants to live in her fantasy and uh and so and then she's transport transported to the labyrinth 
and where she has to uh had to become more of an adult mm-hmm. e- even though she is still a child she's still she's still an adult so she's trying to uh understand be like i i i, I want to be an adult but i still want to be a kid and you have all these like beautiful analogies like uh i think it was um oh jim henson's son what's his name brian henson yeah brian henson uh said it but he was doing an interview where it was talking about because you have this uh being an adult and trying to be a kid and trying to deal with all these other complicated mm-hmm. things of you know going from childhood to adulthood and uh you have to you have to weave that very carefully you have to you know if you're talking about sexuality or whatever or attraction towards that and all these beautiful little things you're trying to weave into that it's very well done and you have this movie that is the I, it's a, a lot of this uh like inspiration was uh let me think uh alice in wonderland yeah. um mm-hmm. uh the wizard of oz obviously because this this idea of growing up maturing yeah, and then you see some other things peppered around that room yeah. that obviously are meant to be inspirations. Exactly. Like the, the Disney Robin Hood is in there. Oh, yeah. You see pictures of, 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 of all them and Snow other White. things in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Snow White. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they actually had a copy of the Snow White Annual. Yes. Is that what there. that was? <laughs> yes. Bye. Yeah, it's, it'd be like, it's, it's so well done. Be like you have this, uh, It's a uh, coming-of-age story for our character, Sarah. And uh, there again, be like Sarah Connolly was fourteen years old when she did this mm-hmm. film, and oh it's just freaking knocks out of the park Absolutely. because you have this like very mature character, and she's this young girl who wants to be an adult but still wants to be a kid, and she has to deal with all these adult responsibilities and not be like be a child and be you know petty about everything. Mm-hmm. And so by the end of the movie, she's grown up, but she's still a child at heart, mm-hmm. right? And so I love that about this movie because you have so many different elements of like the ball and the trash heap and all these great moments where she's she's starting to grow up mm-hmm. starting to grow up and it's it's not be like i'm gonna throw away my childhood it's still gonna be there with me but you have these beautiful just little elements with this entire film of growing up and mm-hmm. it's just so well done so yeah it's overarching theme of uh growing up but not discarding everything right. yeah because at the very end, be like it's like she be like she has this moment where be like she's she's back in the real world and mm-hmm. be like she's everything's gone back to normal and she's more like her her friends come to her in the mirror and it's like be like hey we're here anytime you need us and so yeah that's like the idea of an artist be mm-hmm. like you always have your imagination there's oh, yeah. there's always going to be something there to inspire you in the whole bit because as an adult you don't become this fuddy duddy who thinks about numbers <laughs> the entire time right. Um, don't but overall, be like the the story itself is so well done, and I love the story. Love the story to death. So that's my number one. You? My number one for this is <laughs> David Bowie's performance as the Goblin King. Oh, okay. This is going to be interesting. Then I did enjoy. I, I did enjoy his performance here. He's yeah. got a very. He, he's doing a very good job of being of being charismatic, scary, and yet. He's not really evil, but kind of gives off the evil yeah. vibe. I mean, the character I'm thinking more closely he's like is uh, Q from Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yes. Whereas, yes. yes. he's yes. obviously Absolutely. the antagonist of the yes. story. Yes, but he actually has our protagonist's best. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, good. What's the word I'm looking for? 
Uh, good intentions? Good, he's, intentions. He's got good intentions towards them. He is trying to actually help them mm-hmm. by being the, inte- the the antagonist that they have to climb over. Yeah, exactly. in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does a very good job of, of doing that, uh, especially as just how almost without even changing the tone of his voice, he goes from acting around uh, Sarah in this kind of nice, friendly kind of way. Yeah. And then he'll go and talk to Hoggle, and he's not changed the timber of his voice yeah. at all. He is the same. He's in the same rate, and it's like there's so much malevolence in how, uh-huh. in, in how his employee is not doing That's what he told true. him to do. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, you did a very good job with that. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it was the subtlety. Yeah, it was just so yeah. well done. His performance as the Goblin King. Uh, and yeah, that is one of the sad things is if we ever do get a sequel to this, it can never have David Bowie in it because he's passed away. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. So David Bowie's performance as the Goblin King is my first like for this. So one of the things I'd be like after like discovering this film and uh learning more about it, uh I think it went, like the the interviews be like you have Jennifer Connolly would talk about Labyrinth mm-hmm. and she talked about David Bowie and how generous and caring he was. The fact to be like she she was just a young actress and be like and she literally knew nothing of the, and he was so gracious with her and so Aww. just, and just so loving like a parent would. And so you have the story about, and I'm thinking like an early part of the script where it was in the ballroom where you would have Jareth and Sarah kiss, but David, um, David Bowie said, no, be like, this is completely unprofessional to have yeah. a, a, mm-hmm. an actor like me who's 33 at the time. And you have mm-hmm. Sarah, uh, Sarah or uh, Jennifer Connelly as fourteen year old, he was like, "No, I'm absolutely not going to do that." Yeah, and so um, Connelly always be like gave him high praise every time he ever mm-hmm. talked about it, or anytime she would talk about Bowie. It's like be like he was so professional, he was so loving and kind and caring, and he just you know treated her like an actor. He mm-hmm. didn't treat her like anything else. Mm-hmm. And it's just so be like those kind of stories is really wonderful to hear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Steph, what's your second like for this? All right. Number two. I love the songs. They're so good. I oh, love all okay. the songs. I, um, <laughs> as we were joking before, uh, there are some bangers in there. <laughs> I had to. <laughs> but. <laughs> I'm not the oldest one on this call, but I feel it right now. <laughs> I'm going back to the conversation way beforehand. I'm too old to say it too. So you tell why I said it so articulately. Yes. Because yes. I can't say it in a non-ironic fashion. It just doesn't work. So, uh, so um, yeah, I love like kind of the, I love the beginning song of the, the 80s kind of uh, themes that go throughout. But the random uh, uh, numbers that happen, they're just fun. They're just really fun. I love the um the the fire gang one. That's a fun song. Yeah, agree. Mm-hmm. Catchy, you know. And I don't know why, but the the song at the beginning has been stuck in my head ever since I watched it a couple hours ago. The it's only forever that one mm-hmm. <laughs> stuck in my head nonstop. But yeah, and I just like the the songs and sound design throughout is really fun. Agreed. Jacob. So I, I'm reminded of a Metallica song that came out in the early nineties or yeah, earlier nineties. Master of Puppets. The Ooh. puppetry of this movie is fantastic. 
because they're going to be like, it's Jim Henson. Yeah. Uh, like one of, one of my favorite Henson creations movie of all time is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie. Because that's my favorite yeah. Turtles film of mm-hmm. all time, and the hits, hits, it was one of Hinson's last projects. But yeah. I digress. Because uh, you look at the 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 uh, the the hand scene that was so well done. You have oh. um, what's the uh, the the big monsters name? I can't remember his name. Ludo. 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 Yeah, Ludo's design is so well done. Uh, I remember because I I watched the documentary over this just before I came over here, and uh, the first scene, the first scene in the documentary, they they're showing Ludo, a guy walking around as Ludo during the UK premiere, and he's uh he's being introduced to Princess Diana and mm-hmm. Prince Charles, Aww. and the 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 look of awe and oh my gosh, what the world of Princess Di was to die for. It was so good. Because these are so well done, like Ludo's expressions and the whole mm-hmm. bit. Um, then you, you have um, mm, Hoggle. Yeah, Hoggle. Yeah, Hoggle. Like Hoggle's design. Like every puppet in this movie is done so well. Such craft, like beautiful artistic craftiness. And just like, they're again, being artists, I appreciate that. And mm-hmm. I really wish I, I know it's it's a bygone era of puppetry. I know they do it every once in a while uh, as an homage, but I really wish they would go back to this and you know give give that art form another some more love that mm-hmm. it needs. Admittedly, uh, Jim Henson Creature Shop is the only people doing this. That is true. Yeah, that is so true. I, I saw that the I think it was Except for them. Ironically, the last two Muppet films, the ones that Disney produced, mm-hmm. yeah. They didn't make the, the Muppets for that. What? Oh, yeah. Good. You know? It was made oh. by other other companies. So Wow. I don't okay. know why they didn't work with Jim Henson Creature Shop. Wow. I've seen like independent people, like people who do their own projects making their oh, yeah. own puppets. Like that's that's still definitely a thing, but there's yes. not really a commercially yeah. no. active one per se. Uh, because if we get right down to it, and I hate to say this, but CG characters are cheaper. They are to produce. They are. And you can you can come back and tweak the performance as much as you want until the yeah. thing comes out. Granted, there is a certain magic of puppets that mm-hmm. just works better. To be honest, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. if you, if now, granted, I do prefer. I, I do think that like, when they did the, the the prequels for Star Wars, the Yoda CG was done very well, and I don't think you could have done half that stuff with a puppet. That's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I still miss the puppet. <laughs> that is true. Because it, it wouldn't be that much longer until you would have the, uh, the 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 two worlds of CG and puppetry have to collide with each other mm-hmm. with the one of the greatest films of all time, Jurassic Park. True. Mm-hmm. Because that film was initially supposed to be puppetry and stop motion and the whole right, bit. but the animatronics were not working well with that, except for on on the big shots. Yeah, with oh, the big wrecks a little bit. Gotcha, yeah, yeah, yeah. So be like you you had. Because then CGI took over, and obviously you've had throughout the years like puppetry mm-hmm. has been used periodically, mm-hmm. but uh, it is it is a sadly a dying art, mm-hmm. sadly a dying art, and Henson Studios is the only one right. doing it. Yeah. Uh, well, much like stop motion has been that, a dying art, but yeah. it's yeah. coming back. Yeah, oh yeah, Ardman, oh my gosh. yeah, Ardman's been doing stuff. Ardman, Leica, and uh, Guillermo del Toro Leica. Studio. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So yeah. the, the, the art itself is not dead yet, but it's, 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 I wouldn't say it's on its last day, but it's kind of getting a slight renaissance of mm-hmm. more recent. And I, I enjoy that for someone who is a 80s, 90s kid. 
And yes, I just named my age people. Come on. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, be like I, I love the 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 puppetry and everything about this movie. It's so well done, and it is uh, it's cherished. Mm-hmm. It's an American treasure <laughs> for a British movie. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> so it was filmed that. at Shepherd and Studios in England. <laughs> That makes so much sense now. The humor, I was like, there's British humor in here. I could tell. Yes, That's yeah. why. But there is. It's, be, it's because, okay, so <laughs> Muppet stuff, even though Jim Henson was American, mm-hmm. a lot of his stuff ended up being made in England for the Muppets and mm-hmm. a lot of his other stuff because when he, Jim Henson was making the Muppet show, no one in America would give him the time of day to give him the money to do it. But a but a lord over in England who owns uh, IT the ITC broadcasting over there paid to do the whole thing. And then CBS Studios is the one who actually put it out over show out over here. Yeah, and uh, did fund it, but it always went in their slot opposite yeah. of the news. Yeah, because <laughs> then the news only at that time only took a half hour. Yeah. Oh yeah, gosh. And, but you had mm-hmm. to leave out a whole hour block mm-hmm. for some reason. Look, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. as a local programming, there was a there was a there was an FCC rule you had to have local programming. And for some yeah. reason, that counted. Mm-hmm. Got it. Interesting. Anyway, yeah. so all so when the, they went to the, start making the Muppet movies, the, uh, Lord Lord Lou Gray, that's his name. Okay. He produced like the first three Muppet movies. Yeah. Plus oh. Dark Crystal. In fact, Dark Crystal and Great Muppet Caper were being made at the same time. Really? And the only reason Lou, Lord Lou Grade financed Dark Crystal is because Jim Henson agreed to also make Great Muppet Caper. Because <laughs> he wanted another, he wanted a sequel. And that's, and that connection is why all this stuff was, they were already working in uh, England. They already had connections over there. Plus, Lucasfilm <laughs> already working over there. And they're working with George Lucas and all them. Yeah. So. In this I didn't film, know so that last time I didn't realize George Lucas was part of it too. That's neat. Oh yeah, yeah. I had no. Yeah, idea. he was the exclusive producer. Oh, they didn't. Okay. They didn't put the Lucasfilm name on this, but <laughs> yeah, he worked. He's a he was the executive producer on this. Yeah, yeah. and they're the ones who did the uh, the. Uh, and trust the me, you watched you watch the trailers for this. They let you know. <laughs> yeah, it's because <laughs> they they, they they keep emphasizing the 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 the. the Three legends of entertainment come together. Jim Henson, master of puppetry. George Lucas from Star Wars. And David Bowie. (laughs) That's amazing. I mean, that would have been a heck of a draw in the 80s, so I could understand. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. Because, I mean, like, it's it's 86, so Star Wars, the... The... um, Return of the Jedi. It only Return of the Jedi out. would have just been finishing up around this time. Yeah, been in like 82, 83. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, there could be like, you had this cavalcade of just like fantasy stories coming out of that time period. Sure. And this is about the time that the Lucasfilm quality was getting into the more uh, cult stuff, cult mm-hmm. classic stuff, mm-hmm. before it just kind of slowly, slowly fell off. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and Indiana Jones is in there too, but that's kind oh, of yeah. a different thing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Different genre. It's fucking Indiana Jones, man. Yeah, Dr. Jones, Dr. Jones. <laughs> so, are we on your second line? Yes. Okay. Uh, I think I'm done. Go so, ahead. my second line. Yeah, your second line. Uh, my second like for this is uh, like y'all were saying, the puppets. Mm-hmm. It is the all the puppetry oh. in here is so well uh-huh. done. They are taking some uh, risks 
with some of this stuff I noted because uh-huh. there is a lot, and I do mean a lot of composition shots. Uh-huh. Yes. The uh, the thing with the fiery uh, monsters, those groups that where they could take oh, their yeah, heads yeah. off and all that. Uh-huh. I saw Henson do something with that similar on like the first couple episodes of the Muppet Show, where mm-hmm. it's being animated basically behind a curtain. Oh, well, actually, yeah. if you watch the Muppet movie, the scene there at the El Slizo where uh, Kermit and Fozzie are dancing on the stage, mm-hmm. and you say it's full body shots. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the same technique that they used here. But right. here, instead of it just being in front of a curtain, they put it in front of a blue screen, so yeah, they could edit all that out. And it's like, okay, that is actually a brilliant move, and it mostly works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mostly works because some of that hair. I say it was a blue screen. I'm betting it's a green screen, green. probably, <laughs> especially with the color, especially oh, with yeah. the color of the, of the faces. That would have been good mm-hmm. contrast. Yes. Plus. <laughs> They all kind of had a bit of a green outline. A little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit of one. That, that's a little bit of my nitpick. My uh, yeah. dislikes a little bit here there. But there again, it's nitpicks. It, there's a lot of nitpicks coming up. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, uh, but you, you've got that. You got all the stuff. Like, the Ludo and uh, Hoggle stuff is not as impressive, admittedly, because they've been doing that sort of thing a lot. Uh, but... They did a very good job with it here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stuff with the hands, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, that, how many tries did that take oh my yeah. gosh, to get right? those hand movements mm-hmm. in just the right spot oh, yeah. to do all that? And make them look like different faces. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, and then, uh, and, and all the different puppets. I, I especially liked the junk lady, even though I, oh my I, gosh, yeah. I could tell that that was, there was the, that the big junk pile on her back was mostly hiding the actor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But the way that anime, it's like you don't even think about that when you're watching it. It's only when you come back that you think about that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. And, of course, all the goblins throughout here. I especially love, and this is just kind of a cool, weird, minor thing. They don't give you the nice, like like, like with a lot of fantasy stuff where, where it starts in the real world and then goes into the fantasy world. You yeah. know, there's usually a slow integration yeah, from real world to mm-hmm. fantasy. Yeah. Here we get a slap, uh, uh, slash cut mm-hmm. where it's like she's reading the thing and it goes over and you see a crowd of these trolls going, she's going to say it! She's <laughs> going to say oh, it! It's like they give you no oh, clue oh, yeah. that this is happening. You just think, oh, okay, we're in the normal world. All of a sudden, boom! Screen full of puppets! <laughs> for, like, um, for like 30 seconds. Not even long enough for you to register what you just saw. Yeah. So back to the other thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? And then they come back and it's back and forth, back and forth. And I especially love that part where he goes, that's not how it should say to summon the <laughs> Goblin King. It doesn't start with that how right. hard is it to say mm-hmm. so like good. they're annoyed you know it's like listen yeah i love the little guy in the middle did she say it yeah but yeah the, so the puppetry yeah is definitely my second so like for good. this oh my gosh um steph what's your third like for this okay um i have to say i love the character acting in these mixed mm-hmm. play. So, like, the fact that they can make you invested in these characters when they only have, like, 30 seconds of dialogue. Yeah. yeah. Like, the little wormy guy, oh, come in the missus and have a cup of tea. It's adorable. Or the, mm. the hat and the bird. <laughs> you yeah, yes. You feel for that bird. is like, oh, yes, it's so, uh, what was the word? So stimulating. You, know, you know, it sucks <laughs> being your hat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or um, I love the, the, for some reason, I don't, 
I think it kind of slightly reminds me for some reason of Star Wars, like some of the little side characters they'd have, like the okay. droids mm-hmm. and yeah. the little the little guys that would like be kind of doing gibberish and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like the little dude that comes up when she tries to mark the Oh yeah. yeah. And he, and he, he's, while I was watching it, he was muttering at her going, and he goes, Your yeah. father's an aardvark. I was like, What? Yeah, it, it, it reminds me of that little uh that little puppet that's always next to Jabba the Hutt in his palace. Oh, yeah. That yeah. has that laugh. <laughs> yeah, that one. That's what it reminds me well, of. There's all these little characters that they're so silly and they do such, like, oh, yeah. Oh, they're so great. Or, like, the poor little, the little cannonball. And he gets, he gets smushed and he goes out of the cannonball. Yes, and goes, yes. I thought I shot you. And he goes, cut, 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 cut. It's just yeah. so little. It's lopping off. It's those little things. It's just so tiny. The fact that they can make you so invested in those characters so quickly, and the fact that like every single big scary monster thing is usually just a little guy. Yeah, like yeah. The, like the cleaner is just those four little dudes trying to run a crank. And yeah, that was so ironically funny. <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh my monster. gosh, this is gonna eat our characters alive, and it's just little guys doing this number. <laughs> it's great. And the the I always remember for some reason that one line um, from the dude in the armor when Hoggle kicks him out and he falls in the guns. Well, that's not very nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> that little dude. It's great. It's great. Awesome. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so my, my third and final like of this film would be the final, final, uh, conflict confrontation with Jareth mm-hmm. in the, uh, I, 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 for some reason, I want to say Giger, but it's not a Giger. That's true. Escher, MC, right? Escher. MC Escher. I was close. I wasn't close. It's an Escher film. Yeah, Escher inspired. It's based season. off an Escher. Yes. Prince. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now we've got Alien and this movie mashing together, which is not a good thing. Uh, so you have this amazing scene where it's like she comes comes into uh, Jarrah's domain and the 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 upside and upside down world of like all of these like. The, the way it's shot, the way it's uh, processed and developed mm-hmm. and the whole bit, it's beautifully done. And you have this, it's uh, Jareth is kind of toying, toying with Sarah the entire time and be like, you, you can have everything all be like, you know, let, let, let me, let me, let me do this and let me do this. And just like toying with her be like, you'll be like, if, if you just do this, you do this kind of like what Satan loves to do, loves to do is toy with like, the uh, Jesus in the, uh, mm-hmm. in the in the wilderness of talking about how be like as, be like be like I will give you this and this and this as long as you worship me as long as you allow me to you know be the the king of the universe yes and uh, and it's like be like yeah you have no power over me yeah. and just like that it has like great parallel and uh, Sarah be like she's trying to remember the lines and she's be like this idea of this great temptation for her is to be like be like if be like if you allow me to love you and allow me to do this and this and this be like be like just you know let me be let me i'll be i'll be your slave just let me you know control everything of your life mm. and uh, it's just this beautiful scene where it's just like it's it'd be like the she's like you have no power over me and the, mm-hmm. the world collapses and she she falls back into reality or she falls back into her world and it's so beautifully done it's just this idea of like like conquering fear and conquering uh, the uh, like ma- not 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 mastering her fate, but mastering just what because um, Jareth the entire time has been manipulating time and manipulating everything mm-hmm. just for her, 
He's trying to make everything perfect for her. And he's just like, he's just bending over backwards trying to do everything for her. And, uh, like, it's because she, she starts to realize and be like, this isn't the way. This is the way mm-hmm. this is supposed to go. And she just be like, you have no power over me. And she goes, poof, he disappears. I love and that there, shot. He's of always there. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, that, that final confrontation is so, confrontation is so well done. And you have these, like, uh, there again, the composition shots of, like, you have here, here. It's all this, like, everything's composition or uh, cropped in together. Mm-hmm. And it's so well done. I love, I love that part of the ending. The ending in the movie is another story. It's good, but we'll get there when we get there. Okay, then. <laughs> My third like for this is one really, really cool moment. Okay. During the MC Escher scene, yes, and uh, David Bowie is doing that spoken word song as he's walking around the different parts mm-hmm. while she, uh, Sarah is trying to figure out how she's going to get to her baby brother on you know, in the, over there in the fifth dimension down there. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and he he's doing all that walking around. There's that one spot, and this spot, this this video, this clip is in like also in every trailer. So you know they were very proud of it too. Oh yeah. But when he does that thing where he looks like he's gonna, st- he's walking underneath, and he just kind of thing, over. and he uh, goes to step out like he's gonna, you know, just step off into thin air, and he and it rotates him around so he's back on the top side walking towards her. And I'm going, how did they do that <laughs> in, in the eighties? In the eighties, yeah. I know that he that had to have been like stop motion is stop the motion. only way they could yeah. have done that where it looked that good. But still, the way it rotates, it looks like, uh, yeah, sure, he freezes in place as he's going around, Mm -hmm. but it is, like, spot on. It's like, how did you do that? (laughs) Tell me your secret, Jareth. How did you do the thing? Even if if this was CG, I would be going, how did you do that? Because that's a hard shot no matter what you do. Agreed. And you can tell they were very proud of that shot as much as it was used in marketing materials. Put it on it's everything. Almost, it's almost <laughs> as bad as the as the uh, they almost use it as bad as the as the CG Genesis shot from oh my Star, gosh, Trek, Star Trek, where they do it three show that thing three in three different movies. Oh yeah, full screen. Uh, but yeah, it was like oh that was so amazing. That whole sequence is yeah. amazing and how they handle all those. Uh, those moves. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had to film all of that right side up yes. and then stick it together <laughs> on on the thing where it looked like every or it looked like everything was right. Mm-hmm. And going, you know, considering some of the uh, editing mishaps that were earlier in the film, which mm-hmm. I will get to in a minute, yeah. <laughs> this is spot on and yeah. it survived the transfers and everything uh-huh. to this point where it's still impressive to this day yeah. where I'm still looking at it and going, how'd you do that? <laughs> so yeah, the, the MC Escher sequence, but mainly oh, yeah. that part where the Goblin King goes from walking upside down to right side up is my third like for this film. I guess you could say what I really like about this film is it still had the ability to surprise me 38 years later. Yeah. <laughs> On the third wow. viewing. <laughs> On the third viewing. Yeah. Yeah. So now we, as much as we are have gushed about this film, 
we do have to talk about things we don't like now. Steph, why don't you start us off on this also? So, fortunately, the fact that what Jacob said actually helps me to not feel as bad about this, like, with the actual actors. But it's just uh, Sarah with how young she is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and how old Jareth is. And knowing, like, in the lore, he's probably, like, 500 years old or something. If not yeah, older. If not older. And, yeah. I was assuming 5,000. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, you have this... This dance sequence between a baby and a thirty-year-old man is weird, but um, just just a little. Just a little. But I think too, just seeing, um, I think maybe I'm biased, but because again, how young Sarah is, she seems a little spoiled at the beginning. She's oh, a little, a little, She's a daddy's girl. She puts everything in the woe is me filter, basically. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, she's dressing up and and she's like, how dare you? You know, uh, a little spoiled. At the beginning, she's running around in a peasant's princess costume in the middle of the park and nobody's looking at her weird. Yeah. (laughs) So they're used to it. (laughs) I've been to a Renaissance fair. The kids exist. You know, they want to be a princess. So, but of yeah, course. that was that was just my my main thing was was uh, Sarah's spoiled um, immaturity at the beginning, and then also the um, that that coupled with Jareth's, like you said, five hundred five thousand year old mm, man, yeah, yeah. So, a little problematic. Just a touch, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Going to that point, be like, the, I mean, it's not as bad as. The doctor from Doctor Who and all of his companions. Oh, that's true. That yeah. is true. Yeah. That is so true. 1,000, and everyone And falls Rose is like 18, 28, yeah. somewhere in there. I know it. It's weird. Yeah. But anyway, sorry. sorry. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I'm done for good. Yeah. Jacob. Mm-hmm. All right. So, my first dislike of the film, now, granted, this is a nitpick for this film. Because there again, it is the 80s. Uh-huh. And you could, there was no CG, that was CGI at the time, but it was very limited. Very like, limited. Like the owl in the beginning. Very early CG. So you have all the, the you can see periodically, because they're in, it's a movie full of puppets and marionettes and what have you, because you see strings every once in a while. And the, yeah, the, the, this the, is right before they were really had the ability to start editing that out. Yeah. So I'd be like, it's a part of it, it kind of takes the illusion away. Because it'd be like, you know it's a puppet, but at the same time, you don't want to see strings, so it kind of breaks the illusion in some way. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like, if you had, like, if I was to watch this movie, like, I was a young child, and watched it, I would have saw those strings, but like, wait, they're puppets, they're not real creatures. <laughs> so I think for me, be like, as an adult, you see all these, mm-hmm. the, the creative side, and the artistry, and the craftsmanship of the film is done very well. Um, if they were able to hide more of the strings... Or the uh, the scene that I always think of the uh, the uh, the fire creatures. Yeah, mm. yeah, I see that because you're you're using a blue screen and green screen. It's so very obviously they're using that for this scene. It just it's so it kind of takes you out of the moment for the scene because you have your at one scene be like it's Sarah she walks into the scene and the next thing be like it's a blue screen. 
Well, walk out of it. What's, what's, it's back into a regular cell. Uh, what's, yeah. what's even weirder That's is that she, you can tell she's standing in front of a different blue screen yeah, than the puppets are standing in front yes. of. Because <laughs> they're what? imposing. They're superimposing. They're not just... quite lined up correct. No, they're not. <laughs> yeah. She's kind of behind the fire a little bit, isn't it, when she's supposed to be? Like, yes, the, she like is the a little bit. field is a little off. Yeah. Yeah, but this was like early. They, they were doing compositing at this time, but this uh, it, it optically. Uh, but this is this one has just a weird effect to it because I think this is the first time they used that mm-hmm. puppetry method with that. So, sure. yeah. To to quote uh, Captain Kirk from a certain movie, be like, yeah, the great experiment. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a lot of it was, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. A lot it's of it. Jim Henson loved to push the envelope. Oh, yeah. When it came to puppetry. Mm-hmm. Every single one of those films up till uh, at least till his passing. I say it that way because I, I, I can't really point to anything specifically after mm-hmm. that. But uh, they always seem to be pushing some part of the envelope. Yeah. I remember so. with the fire, fire, ba- uh, fire gang. I always want to say fire band. I yeah. don't know why. Yeah. But um, the fireies is what they're officially called. Got it. There's that one scene where their heads go up and their little ears flap. That uh-huh. looked like it was practical. Like it was an mm-hmm. animatronic. Yeah. yeah. So like that's a ama- to me that's a huge like It is good. That was probably that was probably hand controlled in the in oh, the yeah. puppet head. Yeah. Amazing. So So yeah, they're going to be like it is a nitpick beyond belief mm-hmm. because they're going to be like you're looking at it from a 21st, 21st century yeah. to a 20 20th century film. Mm-hmm. And um like it's it's, it's done that, brilliantly. It's, like Drew said, like it's pushing the envelope, but you yeah. just you just see those little flaws within the film, but you still enjoy it. It's in really fact, more of a fact that the effect didn't really age that well. Yeah, that is yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. What the hell? Cultural right. perspective. So speaking of effects that didn't quite age well, I did like the worm character. Oh. The problem is, you can tell when they filmed it that's a that that puppet is about the same size as every other puppet they've got in stock. It is not a little uh, marionette thing they're controlling off screen mm-hmm. because they have gone and composited the part of the video that they they shot for filming this onto the other thing and bless their hearts. <laughs> It doesn't quite match. Not quite. Uh, there's it's there's a couple shots there where they've got this kind of weird shadow going across it to kind yeah. of hide this fact, but you're looking at it, and it's like that stands out like a sore thumb. And it wouldn't be so bad if the lighting on the set with the worm was the same as the lighting on the set with Sarah. Because it is really far off. One is blue light and the other is yellow light. Oh, I didn't even I didn't realize that. that. Yeah, yeah. wow. See, I was sitting there watching, going, <laughs> "It was one of those things where I'm watching, going, okay, the puppetry is good. Don't, uh, that's fine. What else? What is wrong with this shot? I can tell something is wrong with this shot. It's a and I'm and I'm watching, going, okay. So obviously they had to shoot. They shot this part separate from Sarah, mm-hmm. and they've gone and edited all this back in together. That's fine." What is wrong? Oh, oh, it's that, that it's the fact that the, uh, the, the there's an extra the, the shot of the worm is small is smaller is is a, a smaller video and it's actually not staying in sync with the camera around it. Oh <laughs> my gosh, I never it, it's that minor. Either. It is so minor yeah, differences, okay. yes. but because I am now staring at it, looking to right. find out what's wrong with this thing. Right, right. And what hurts me more than everything else is that would be. 
much more forgivable uh-huh. if it weren't for the fact that the worm tells you, the worm's telling her that things are all in the in the labyrinth are not always what, what they, they seem, seem. and. They have shot the little entrance to where she's supposed to go in such a way where until she walks behind the brick walls, mm-hmm. you can't tell that yeah, it's no, not the same wall. Very the true. They, the way that they have it angled, there's no, there's nothing. It's, it's, there's, right, it's there's nothing. And it's like, they did that so perfectly. Yes. <laughs> and then they have to see just back to the worm who's obviously not in the shots. The camera, that's in a slightly different lighting situation. Right. And going, Really? You can't have it. You first. got close. You got so close, and this one scene is now stuck in my head. That's <laughs> what like, you'll remember now. Yeah, it's what I'll remember now. This is the thorn in my flesh <laughs> for this film. Right in the foot. Right what's keeping me from being 100% enjoying this thing is I'm looking and going, a worm. That worm is not on scene. You get so much, and the thing is, here's the other thing. I would also forgive this if they hadn't tried to edit the scene, they edit the worm onto the scene because there's a plenty of shots where they go to the worm full screen. Yeah, those work. Those work. Really those well. work perfectly. There is enough separation psychologically for me to still say that's in the same scene. But you go to the other one where. They're, the the frame rates are slightly different. It's slightly off center, and it kind of bounces a little bit because there must have been wind in that th- in that in that oh, uh, yeah. room. Oh, <laughs> I'm going. I really wish I hadn't been caught that, and I could have just ignored this. <laughs> the, the the curse of being a reviewer, right? The, the curse of thinking something's not right here, and not yeah, being able to. Oh well, doesn't matter. That. Yeah. You ruined that scene for me because now I'm going to look for that spot. <laughs> I'm sorry. I am so sorry. You no, ruined sorry. the movie for step forever because of the right. worm. No, I, I can't get over how cute he is. I, I, no, okay, no. fair enough. The worm is it. The performance is golden. Know, yes. Not get me wrong. <laughs> the editing <laughs> is so not cute. as good as it could have been. Got it. But oh, that's nice. yeah. That's my first dislike, and honestly, it's probably the only detrimental dislike I have. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> it's the only one that's not really a nitpick. Yeah. So yeah, Steph, what's your second dislike? Okay. Um, I hate to say it. It's this one's a nitpick. It's Jared's outfits. <laughs> I won't tread over ground that lots of cultural people have gone over before for obvious reasons mm-hmm. but it's um it's weird like the weird poofy hair mm-hmm. that like is long it's straight. the 80s i say it's the 80s i think that's the thing for me it's and it's david so bowie this is not the strangest thing he's worn on stage someone, someone actually introduced me to the whole um ziggy sparkles Ziggy Stardust, yeah. Stardust, Stardust. And so I was like, oh, I, I, I actually had to ask one of my coworkers who was, you know, a young lady around the 80s. And I'm like, is this attractive? Is this a thing? Do I just not get it? She's like, oh, yeah, that was really, I'm like, okay. I mean, but yeah, I don't like it. Um, but again, that's not the weirdest thing I've seen him wear, like you said, because I did look up. Ziggy yeah, Stardust, right. So, but yeah, it's just strange. And, and I think, too, sometimes it, it, it can have a tendency to look really fancy, really, you know, almost like mm-hmm, nightly, mm-hmm. which is good because that's what he needs. He's supposed to be yeah. a team or mm-hmm. whatever. But it tends to make him stand out way worse in contrast to the other goblins. They're all dirty and they got crap everywhere. And he's just like 
all clean and had a bath and nice eyeliner. Of course, he's the goblin king. Whatever. So, yeah. I mean, we all, Monty Python told us how you tell a peasant from a king. He hadn't got crap all over him, which I edited that for content. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that. You're welcome, you're welcome Roy. <laughs> if you're still in the chat. Oh, that's really funny. You don't uh, vote for kings. Well, I can become king then. Anyway. <laughs> but I, I always forget, just, just a side tangent from that scene, they're putting mud in a pile. Yeah. Like they're farming mud. Yeah. I never understood that till I was older. I was like, what are they doing? Oh, they're... Sod. They're, mm. Yeah, sod. Anyway, but yeah, so Jerry's close. <laughs> I just don't get it. I'm, you know, I'm an I'm a early '90s kid, but not yeah. not enough to understand enough. The, the look. So that's my first one. Yeah, my, second one. Uh, my second and final like, because I don't have a third one for those ones. I mean, dislike. Yeah, dislike. That's what I meant to say. Dislike. You know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Uh, my second and final dislike. Uh, for this film would be the ending, the very ending of this movie. Now, Grant, it is a very nitpick because if you're just taking it literal for what the movie is, is Sarah is overcome her her um, her need for her imagination, and she's grown up. She's become a she's becoming a, a grown woman, and then all of a sudden it's like boom, everything's back, festival, blah 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 blah. And it's like, did she learn anything? She did. But if, if you look at it just from an outward perspective and not understanding the context of Literally, everything, yeah. it's like, mm-hmm. this is the most funkiest ending in the world. Be like, she's conquered everything. She doesn't, like, she's growing into a young woman. And now she's partying with all her friends, the good and bad. And the movie ends like that with uh, Jareth, the owl version of him, watching watching by. I'm like, did she learn nothing in this film? So this is not the... She did, yeah. but it's just like how, like, from a just like general perspective, it's like, wow, this movie is weird. This <laughs> is not the original ending they had for this film. Really? It is the one that went to theaters, but they had another version shot, which basically ended without that. Okay. Um, it basically it kind of just went once she was got done putting that stuff in her drawer and yeah. said, told her parents they were home, she went to bed. And the camera came out the window, and that was it. Okay. And they decided they wanted a happier ending. That makes sense. Yeah, more fanfare. Yeah, exactly. You like you, you want the movie into like a nice, light, yeah. party, fun. And that plus, makes sense. Plus, while this is about her growing up, it's not about abandoning childhood. Of course. It's right. about incorporating your childhood mm-hmm. into your adulthood mm-hmm. without going full childhood. Yeah, so, exactly. This is kind of them showing that. Yes, which is the only Alex. thing I ha- I have uh, only rebut to your dislike yes, that I have. Agree, agree. All right. So, what is your second dislike? My second dislike, and we are into the nitpick territory yes. here. I mentioned my mom wasn't a fan of David Bowie. Oh, I ain't either. <laughs> oh, I am not a fan of David Bowie's songs. Oh, okay. Um. The style of his of, of of his stuff is just not. This doesn't click with me. Uh, about the only one of these things that's going to stick with me is the beginning of Dance Magic Dance. The the little thing about you remind me of the babe, <laughs> the who uh, the babe with the power. Who, uh, yeah, I can't remember the whole thing right now. But it's like, and I remember thinking, that is this song. This song has nothing to do with that intro. <laughs> <laughs> and still, this is not. And, and that's the other thing is these songs. 
They were written for this film. Mm -hmm. Officially. Uh, Yes. Officially, they were written for this film. They, but this film sounds like a jukebox musical. They don't make sense. (laughs) Which, because the songs almost don't fit the environment. Yeah. And yet they kind of worked in there. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Mm -hmm. True. And going with the fact that I also am not a real big fan of a lot of these songs myself. Oh. And that is, it just, it's a, anytime the song started coming on, it was a disappointing thing. Now, don't get me wrong. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. David Bowie sang all these songs very well. Fair. And, and, the, and the puppets that sang along with them did very well, too. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But in terms of composition and whether or not they were appropriate for the scenes they were in, I'm going to have to say no. Yeah, it, it is like jukebox. Jukebox. Jukebox musically, I would agree. Yeah. True. And I'm not a fan of jukebox musical in general, but True. then at least most jukebox musicals try to make their stuff work with the scene. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't really do that either. Yeah. It's just, oh, we got a new pair of characters. Come on, time for them to sing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or David Bowie's getting is bored up in his tower. It's it's song time. <laughs> I mean It's kinda what it feels like. Fair. But yeah, and, and of course I get it. You got David Bowie. Of course he's gonna write songs for this. Mm-hmm. But mm, could have tried to make something a little more appropriate, maybe. Granted. I guarantee I'm alone on this, or one of the very few. <laughs> I am in the minority, but yeah, I'm not a fan of the music. Yeah. I can understand that. I can understand, you know, I I love it, but that's the thing. I'm the kind of person who I, I burst into song randomly, so I could understand being in the tower just randomly singing because you're bored. Well, I get yeah. that too, but <laughs> for a story, I kind of, for a musical, I kind of want the music to fit the story. Yeah, but it's not anyway. like Disney where they're literally singing the situation. It doesn't. It yeah, doesn't go true. that way. Yeah, or like I, I think of uh, Rapunzel from Tangle. Be like, it's like, oh, that. I'm bored, so I'm gonna pa- I'm gonna paint something on the wall. Right. Exactly. Oh. Well, I mean, what was that? What, what was it? We there was a bad. We did a bad movie month movie <laughs> where there was a musical, didn't we? Oh, am I, am I getting something else confused? Oh my gosh, I don't remember. There was something that we <laughs> did not like. Oh my god, that was a musical. And I'm not talking about Strange Magic. Okay, yeah. even though that does the jukebox musical thing, I think I, better than this I, does. I, I yeah. was actually but, thinking of that too. <laughs> but there is, uh, there was a different one we did where I got where I would say this does the music better than this movie does. But like I said, this is a total me thing. I yeah. get it. I will not poo-poo on your post toasties if you enjoy this music. On your cereal? <laughs> this must be an East Texas song. <laughs> I'm from Arizona, man. Fair. Sorry. I have no idea what has traveled outside this state and what hasn't. <laughs> That's fair. But I have to, I got what, what Retro did. Drew, tragic, Drew, tragic, Drew. Yes! <laughs> I love that! So good. Thank you, Roy. Roy, I am not right. Ra- ra- yeah, I am not rating this tragic. <laughs> like I said, I'm aware I'm in the minority on this yeah. one. I but assume I there's at least one other person. At least, at least I know my mom probably would agree with me. <laughs> my mom does too. She doesn't like this movie. When I said I was reviewing it, she's like, "Oh, that one." I'm like, yeah. <laughs> she doesn't like it. She doesn't like right. uh, like uh, dark fantasy stuff. Oh, that that would I think my mom would have been fine with, but I just know 
me and her do have some of the same musical tastes, <laughs> and neither one of us are a fan of David Bowie. Fair. As a singer. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Steph, what's your third dislike? My final dislike is more of a nitpick. Um, this one has to do with the fire gang, the fireies, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved their song. I thought they were entertaining little dudes. And I was good with the head throwing, but the more limbs started coming out and the more they started becoming homunculus versions of other things, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was a little, little grossed out, especially the flamingo. That was weird. It's like, hey, let's take all these limbs, arms, and legs and turn them into a flamingo with a random head chasing another head. Yeah. So yeah. and and the eyeball for some reason I get the joke the snake eyes joke but it it's just too much, but yeah I think that was one of my few puppetry dislikes I I pretty much liked all the other puppetry uh, mm-hmm. performances so yeah too many limbs. You said you did not have a third dislike. No, did not. Then I guess that goes to me. It does. <laughs> so. Mine also involves the Fireys, but it's because one of the people voicing a character in there <laughs> slips into a voice. Hi, really, I it really it. takes me I out of this film. I heard it. <laughs> yeah, same here. I was like, oh, Drew's going to ink that. I was, I was listening for different people. I'm like, oh, there he is. Elmo! <laughs> Here's the thing. It is the Elmo voice. It doesn't talk like Elmo. No. But I'm sitting there and it's like, and, all, and I'm sitting there kind of I'm not saying I'm fully enjoying the scene because it is kind of, like you said, it is kind of weird and kind of off-putting, but I'm sitting there and I'm kind of engrossed in what's going on, and all of a sudden I hear Elmo, and I'm like, good night, what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not watching Sesame Street. (laughs) It kind of makes me think of, like, if Elmo was older, basically, if he was an adult. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And and wasn't talking in the third person. Yes. Uh, But, yeah, I, I... I am not a big fan of Kevin Clash in mm. general because mm. uh, he has gotten himself into some trouble in the last couple of years. Oh, but and and granted, he perform his performances are good ninety nine percent of the time, including Elmo himself. Even though I don't like the character, mm. however, he slipped up here and and switch and accidentally going into another voice and i think that's where my issue lies mm. his, perf- he, he, his slip up there took me out. out of the film mm. fair fair all, all it I, may have been because it triggered me into thinking <laughs> the, the horrors of my childhood have come back <laughs> where is it get it away no get him away get him away no, so here, here's the weird thing i know i watched sesame street when i was of the appropriate age right mm-hmm. and i know elmo was there Mm-hmm. I don't remember at the time him being that annoying. Mm, but bear. around the time the Tickle Me Elmo doll came out, that's when I started hating him. <laughs> uh, can I can I ask the may, may I ask the lore of this hatred of the red the red thing? Uh, it goes down to the fact that around the time he was introduced is when Kermit quit showing up on Sesame Street. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's part you of took it. Away my frog. That's it was fair. around the time that uh, the Muppets were technically separating from Sesame Street because uh, Children's Television Workshop had been spun off into a separate company mm. from the rest of Jim Henson. Mm. Why they did that, I don't remember. 
Mm-hmm. It was a thing that Jim Henson specifically did because, ironically, he did not want Sesame Street to get uh, become a big commercial thing. He wanted to say public access television. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that didn't happen. I say ironic, considering <laughs> recent events. Yeah, that didn't that didn't happen. But. <laughs> Uh, this is around the time that initial thing was taking off. Some Muppet characters quit showing up mm-hmm. on that. Uh, and this is also around the time the Sesame Street characters quit cameoing in Muppet stuff, too. Right. Yeah. So, because that's around huh. the time. And, and granted, it's completely separated, but there's just something about I was never really a fan of Elmo mm-hmm. originally. And then Tickle Me Elmo was just so freaking annoying. Right. And then Elmo, every time you turn on Sesame Street, even if you're just flipping past, it goes, I was like, oh, no, there's Elmo. It's like, Elmo is not the star of Sesame Street. Get him off the screen. <laughs> I know he's the most popular one. He's the one that showed yeah. you that Sesame Street could be monetized, and mm-hmm. your mom plays the heck out of him. Yes, he did. I hate Elmo. Well, <laughs> okay. So I think, I think this was the, this was the show movie we were talking about. The the uh, musical Emmett Otter. Emmett Otter. Yeah. That was a good one. Oh, I right. liked that one. Emmett that was very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, have seen that. I need to though. It sounds really cute. I've seen a clip of the uh, the outtakes that they had for that, and they're oh yeah, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> that was really good. So kind, kind of your fair change. <laughs> so uh, kind of bouncing off your your uh, your dislike of Elmo. Yes, I I have one line from a very famous movie. I made a funny <laughs> Splinter from Turtles. Oh, I made a, f- I can't even do his voice. It has been a hot minute since I watched the original Turtles. I know we have talked about that. Ninja Turtles. That has been on the, uh, the docket to get on here eventually. <laughs> yes. So it's not from lack of trying, yeah, exactly. though, though if we wait just a couple, I think that technically would be the next Henson film chronologically. Yeah, that is true. And so, we, 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 not we, that I was intentionally putting Henson films chronologically. That is true. And then we, we have the, be like, we're doing the first Turtles film. Then all, everybody's going like, I gotta be on this show! <laughs> I will say, it is not on before your wedding, for the wedding, so... Our, <laughs> Unless someone wants to pay us $10. <laughs> if you want to, go to patreon.com slash SoCast. There is still spots available. Yeah, if you want to do turtles, let's do turtles. <laughs> or anything else for that matter. Yeah, within reason. Within reason. We There is one movie that is definitely a no. Oh. <laughs> but anyway. Yes. What is it? Will not be said on this podcast. Okay. Fair. <laughs> we'll tell you later. We'll tell you <laughs> after... We'll, we'll talk about it in chat. You got it. <laughs> anyway, do we have anything else before we rate this film? Uh, no. Steph, why don't you go ahead and rate this film first for us? Hmm. Um, I think out of 10, I would give it an 8.5. Okay. Okay. And do you want me to elaborate, or is that all? <laughs> yeah, go ahead and elaborate. <laughs> okay. Elaborate, we'll do. Um, I think that, like, elaborate. you know, the <laughs> elaboration, um... Oh, Uh-oh. great. Oh, sorry, sorry. The you you, you froze out there for a second. Excellent. Oh, no. <laughs> Got to do a little. <laughs> <laughs> Poopy. All right. Um, the artistry is great. The puppetry is super fun. It's got great little characters in it. Lots of good character acting. Sir Didymus is the best thing in the world. Um, I love him to death. Sure and um, just just all of all of him. Like, I love that character from stop to start. But um, 
you know, it's a musical, which people can like. Um, mm. I would give it an 8.5 because some people don't like David Bowie. Some people think this is just stinking weird. I know my mother, I said, is one of them. Um, it's definitely kind of a niche um, genre, you know, the whole dark fantasy thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some people may not be okay with how young um, Sarah Connolly is compared to David Bowie in the film. But um, and <laughs> unfortunately, some people may not be a fan of how specifically goblinish the, <laughs> the puppets are, you know, because they might think Ses- Sesame Street and Muppets when they think mm-hmm. Japan. Yeah. But I like it. Um, yeah, I think 8.5. Good, solid 8.5. Gotcha. Jacob, what are you uh, rating? I, I will I will dance into that exact same uh frame of mind, eight point five. This is a brilliant film. Uh story wise, the uh um uh, uh that 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 wonderful idea of grow you know, from going into childhood into more adulthood and not not leaving not leaving your the childhood fantasy behind and uh growth and you know overcoming stuff i love that those elements of the story uh puppetry artistry everything about this movie is gorgeous is well done uh they're gonna you can nitpick the everything mm-hmm. death about this film um but overall it is an enjoyable film that has so much wonderful good things that obviously it has become a cool classic that's why everyone just raves about it and uh i wish it would have got better reviews that because i've seen it's like like awkwardly interesting as one as one uh, critique did mm-hmm. like like awkward, like very like this is weird kind of film <laughs> but it's it's so well done it's so well done and uh i'm i'm glad we reviewed it and uh i might actually buy the version drew has because it's, i like that cover it's, it's cool. the cover is great um but overall I'll be like yeah highly recommend it uh if you can buy a version of it or download it if you have to mm-hmm. yeah what about you drew well i know y'all are expecting me to just like poo poo this whole thing yeah. however yeah because it reminds you of Elmo. we have a consensus on the rating i will tell hey, you right now because i'm going 8.5 also Ta-da! this is technically <laughs> very well done yes acting is top notch uh We've already talked about the one really detrimental thing that's really knocking at points for me in reality, being that one scene. Uh, <laughs> but the worm destroys it. The worm, the worm was fine. The worm himself was fine. The <laughs> editing around him, another story. But yeah, I am giving it an 8.5 because it is just an excellent film. Is it my favorite Jim Henson related film? Not by a long shot. Right. But it's a very well made film. Yes. So. Yeah, 8.5. Excellent. Cool. Next week, on, on J- Jacob's first movie pick of the year, uh, we are going to be reviewing the film Nine, which I know very little about other than it came out at the time of another movie called Nine mm-hmm. that was a live-action film, and when we were trying to sell these things at Walmart, people would always buy the wrong one <laughs> <laughs> and not realize it until they had it open. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't these like so, the little voodoo-looking guys? It's that one, right? I believe so. Yeah, the little, little, well, little potato sack men. <laughs> yeah, I, yes. I'm literally thinking sack boy from uh, <laughs> yeah. from uh, something adventure, big adventure, big 
Uh, no, what is the name of it? It's a PlayStation exclusive thing. Um, Media I, Molecules, the company behind it. Why it, the character is Sackboy? You know yeah, who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you know. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's who it reminds me of. And I know nothing about this film other than sure. it's stop motion, and I think it's like it. I think I don't know. Don't quote me on it. I think I'm it, not, I think it's CG, and I, I know Ewan McGregor's in it. That's all I know. And huh. uh, uh, Elijah Woods in it. Frodo and Obi Wan in a movie together. That'll be fun. <laughs> so join if us next know. week for that. If you are currently hanging out in our Facebook group or and want to uh, vote on our upcoming rewind films, as much like last year, we are still going over our year one reviews mm-hmm. upcoming, and we are letting you vote on which order of the three we decided to do this year. So go vote for that on our Facebook page. Uh, and then, uh, yeah. And of course we're doing Evangelion mm-hmm. after all this. Yeah. So join us for that on the other side of the bumpers. We're going to be talking about what we've been watching, some news and some, perhaps our first interrogation of season five. <laughs> so join Did us I be scared? this podcast is a proud member of culture box. Whether you enjoy geeky reviews, comedy, or original fiction, you can open up the Culture Box and find something excellent for your soul. Point your web browser to culturebox.media. This week, we suggest checking out Geek Devotions. Geek Devotions is a collaboration of devoted geeks that are devoted to letting people know that they are loved. They produce a weekly geek culture-infused devotional, their podcast, Talk, a bunch of other podcasts you definitely ought to check out, and written articles, all designed to encourage and challenge people in their geek community, bridging the gap between their faith and their geekdoms. You can find all their content at geekdevotions.com. The Cellcast would also like to thank the following patrons. Ashley and Francisco Ruiz, Book of Gaming, PaulJPowers.com, and Edwin Gonzalez. If you would like to donate to the Cellcast and uh, get some uh, uncut episodes from us, some artwork from Jacob, when I remember to post it, and, as we said earlier, uh, forcing us to watch movies within reason and reviewing them on this show, you can donate to us on Patreon. So, guys, I have a question for y'all. What have you been watching? Steph, why don't you start with you? Okay, um, let's see. I think... Obviously, most recent movie watching was Labyrinth. <laughs> right. Um, Anime-wise, I've been watching um, Delicious in Dungeon. I haven't mm-hmm. watched the newest episode, but I absolutely adore it. <laughs> it's like D&D campaign, classic kind of, you know, fantasy thing. But they decide with the monsters, hey, I want to eat that. And literally, it's like a cooking show but it's Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) It's the coolest thing. And I'm not usually into like high fantasy as much, which Mm -hmm. is ironic since we're just talking about Labyrinth, but, but, um, Labyrinth isn't really high fantasy. So because high fantasy. I literally, uh, describe that as Lord of the Rings without the Tolkien. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's basically what this is. But yeah, it's just so funny because they, you know how anime has a great, job of making food look better than it actually is in real life Mm -hmm. yes i have seen this food all of that they have a specific food illustrator 
<laughs> it God. looks amazing. <laughs> and it's it's cool. I just love it. So it's the main, main thing. Mm. Uh, that all you've been watching? Well, I mean, uh, I am the kind of person who has a tendency to binge certain shows and movies over and over and over again. So yeah. you probably don't want to know how many random rom-coms I have watched with my family in the last week that are just like, we have this, this of like three movies that we just watch perpetually. So. Well, it is February, so it is the right time of year <laughs> for watching it's romantic comedies. Very true. Yeah, the problem is we're still stuck on some of the Christmas ones. So. Oh, well. <laughs> we're one of those. As many of those kind of movies come out of Christmas. So I mean, my mom's still working so on last many. year's. And by that, I mean 2022. <laughs> <laughs> they come up with like like 20 a year and they all look the same like you've seen that meme they're the where same shows, plot line the same they are plot, even the cover art the picture oh they yeah all literally look the same. it's so Steph, funny my worry is that one day i will finally get a girlfriend who is a great <laughs> businesswoman who will go home for her for her vacation and fall in love with some rugged man with a single daughter who will teach her the true meaning of christmas and i will still be single <laughs> Why I can't be the lumberjack with the little well maybe not with the little girl. <laughs> with a cat. With a cat. I'll take a cat. I will take a cat. Yeah. I, I, I can teach I can I can teach some highfalutin city woman the true meaning of Christmas. Right. Teach her how to do the chicken dance or something at a... something, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wow, I've never so, seen yeah, I get it. Before. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you know, you know, like I've I've, watched, I, I've sat through plenty of them. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I've I've done a lot of those, a lot of prime video ones. Oh, I'm I'm gonna sound so old right now, you know. Oh really? Antiques Roadshow. We were oh yeah, oh, that's fine. I get that. With Antiques Roadshow, I love it. It's so much fun. I awesome. watch too much BBC. Too much. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, Poirot, Foils War, just all of mm -hmm. the uh, British Bake Off. I was obsessed for years. <laughs> so gotcha. I'll, I'll stop now because I can't. <laughs> I'm talking about past shows, not current shows, but yeah. Right. <laughs> Jacob, what have you been watching? Uh, so, <clears throat> I really have, I really haven't been watching anything. I like watch YouTube at the end of the night because I'm tired. Mm -hmm. Uh, so my car has kind of been down for a while, be like have, having little issues here and there. Uh, prayer that I, you know, finally get it to work or whatever the Lord's will of that. So, uh, I've been walking to work every morning. So it's like a mile and a half walk. So most of the time I will listen to, uh, and I've, I've literally got them pulled up right here, either uh, the podcast Serial Killers from Spotify, from uh, Serial Killers, The Ben Shapiro Show, Five Things from CNN, uh, The Matt Walsh Show. Well, at least you're getting well-rounded news. That is true. <laughs> uh, morning CNN Wire. and Ben Shapiro. Those yeah. are in two entirely different sides of the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, morning Wire, uh, Dateline for true crime, obviously. And uh, one I recently got into, because obviously my brother brought it up while we were having dinner last week, and uh, he mentioned New Heights, which is uh, Travis and Jason... Uh, Travis and Jason um, Oh crap! What are their What are their last names? I don't know. They're they're actually they're football players. Oh, uh, I really don't know them. Yeah, I really yeah, don't know. Uh, Travis and Jason uh, Kelso. 
Uh, one of them plays for the uh, uh, Philadelphia Eagles, and the other plays for the San Francisco, uh, San Francisco uh, Kansas City Chiefs, who are going to the Super Bowl this year. Kelso, wasn't he played by Ethan Peck? Oh, shush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just so happened that, uh, I think it's Jason, I believe? I believe he's actually dating Taylor Swift. So, oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, because there's a ton of Swifties apparently listen to the show because of the, just a certain somebody who's related who kind of has a relationship with somebody else. But cool. I mean, I enjoy it because they're in, I enjoy football. I mean, I enjoy watching football. Yeah, I don't get to I'm see awesome. it a lot. But the Super Bowl coming up this weekend? Oh, heck yeah, let's everybody go. Everybody likes football. Yeah. <laughs> um, not everybody likes oh. football. <laughs> I, I'm kind of in Jacob's territory. I, I don't mind watching it. It's an entertaining game. You know, yes. I don't care so much. The only time I ever cared was when Arizona went to the Super Bowl. That's the only time yeah. I ever cared because I had a horse in the race, basically. I got gotcha. you. I will it's, cheer for whoever oh my, my friends want me to cheer for, basically. 20 Look, years. Let's say that for Texans. I will care about the Super Bowl when we get a Texans-Cowboys game. Yeah. Huh. Or Weird Al. Is, or Weird Al that too. I will watch a Weird Al halftime show. Yes. Yeah, dude, that'd be great. <laughs> but otherwise, oh, no, I don't care about yeah. football. Oh, yeah. I sat through three years of high school football when I was in high school in the band. Mm. I am done with football. Oh, sure. No, that's fair. So, <laughs> can you I played Weird ball. I love it. Uh, it was something I grew up with. And uh, there, I don't get to watch it a whole lot. Mm. But when they say be like Super Bowl party, oh, I'm in. Yeah, I just hope fun. they don't skip the commercials. That's like the yes. only reason I ever really watched the Super Bowl back when I did pay attention to it. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. But yep. you can also watch those the next day on YouTube. That so. is true, true, but you want to watch them there and then. True. But that that's just me. That's just me. So uh, go Chiefs. So hey, that was at the end of yours? Yes, that was okay, the end of Sorry. Uh, Podcast-wise, since you did bring up podcasts, there are two podcasts I have recently started listening to that uh, I, well, a former host, uh, guest host on our show, yes, uh, back on the Monsters Incorporated episode, uh, James Hammer, uh, he started a new podcast like halfway through last year with a couple of his friends called uh, Banter Fodder, hmm. which the minute I see banter, I thought about our friends Everett Banter Banter first. Yes. And I thought, and before I realized that's why I was be, what I was being asked to like, I thought it was their stuff. Hmm. But I was, oh no, no, this is this is another thing. Uh, but he, they started that last year. It's just a, a basic movie appreciation show oh, by okay. a bunch of cinephiles. Hmm. It's it's interesting to listen to. They make me feel like I'm about ten years older than I actually am, <laughs> <laughs> and I obviously have different tastes than they do. But yeah, it's it's a good show. But the, the other thing is this week. They actually started a sideshow. Oh, really? Uh, that is a Star Trek watch-through show. Oh, They're no. going back through the original <laughs> oh, series. No. Nice. They've only got put out the cage, and that, that show is called Live Long and Banter. <laughs> I'm throwing those out there because if y'all are like me and y'all like good movies, good movie podcasts and like Star Trek, mm-hmm. I'm suggesting those to go out there mm-hmm. to, to, to go listen to. Also, um, I may be on long and banter uh, later this year. Uh, <laughs> no. I, may have, I may have already secured a guest spot. Uh, Ooh, very nice. <laughs> yeah. So uh, also, uh, I have I did watch an episode of the original series today, uh, namely uh, the city on the edge of forever. Hmm. 
this entire time, I thought when they went back to the 1930s Earth, I thought they were in San Francisco. Mm. Then I saw the Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> and went, uh, oh, this isn't in San Francisco? And I got to think, it's like they never said in dialogue where they were, and they don't. And I'm guessing all previous versions of me watching the show must have been this episode must have been the edited for TV version, meaning they mm. cu- they had to cut something oh, for yeah. commercials. Huh. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing this establishing shot must have been what was cut because it really, really the setting doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. But because, I mean, you, you really look at it too much and, you know, your old classic TV, you realize this is taking place in Mayberry because that's the set they shot it on. <laughs> Like they walk right it. past Floyd's barber shop. Oh, that's funny. I <laughs> so, love it. Um, yeah, I was watching that this afternoon, uh, and I haven't really watched much else because I kind of fell into another video game. Nice. Of course. What, what game is are you it? playing now? Persona Three Reload. Oh, nice. Of course, <laughs> another eighty-hour game. Oh, Jeez, <laughs> these I'm games are long, but they're I good know. games. I can um, imagine. And the story, awesome. You might like this one. I say you might like this one. This is closer in terms of on par with like Evangelion in terms of darkness. Yeah. Oh, okay. The, this wow. When you, when you launch the game, there is a there is a warning. It like, comes on screen. It says this game contains depictions of suicide, bullying, and I don't remember what the third thing was. It may have just been violence. As like, oh yeah, I bet it does. Yeah. It's, wow. And it does. And they, and I mean, they summon their personas, personas by firing a gun-shaped object into their head. Yeah. Whoa! Okay, yeah. On the, on the I, I will show you the video before you leave. <laughs> wow. The, the starting video. But, uh, yeah. It, but the thing is, the story is... It, this is a remake of a, a PS2 game, mm. and I only reason I never played the PS2 game is it's not really easy to get a hold of to play on newer systems by the time I discovered this series. Mm. Plus, Persona, the original Persona 3 is missing a lot of the quality of life stuff from the later games that oh, yeah, make it a lot more interesting to play. Mm. But uh, I am kind of been really stuck on this one, so. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Mm. JRPG. Uh, so yeah, that's that, that's what I have been involved in watching and playing and stuff all this week. Nice. Uh, so Jacob, what do we have in the news? Oh. The Cellcast News with your host Jacob Heron. Why, thank you, Dilet, and thank you for turn into a goblin in the show. Transmogrifier stole offline. Good, thank the Lord. All right, so in the news, uh, on this past Wednesday, they revealed the first trailer for Moana 2. Uh, they're going to they're see a whole lot to it. It's just the trailer. It's coming out later this year on November 27th. Uh, Bob, Bob, uh, CEO of uh, Disney, Bob Iger, uh, refrain from com- com- confirming whether the stars of the hit 2016 animated feature will return from the voice actors. However, Deadline, uh, Deadline reported that both uh, Dwayne Johnson and I'm going to butcher this actor's name. I apologize. Uh, Aloha, Aloha Calvroa 
There again, I'm going to butcher it. I apologize. I'm terrible at pronouncing names. Um, are in talks of the sequel. Uh, discussion it doesn't help that it's a Pacific Islander name. Yes, yes. <laughs> and those don't exactly and I have use a hard words. Time with English. It, that doesn't exactly <laughs> use syllables we're used to. No, we don't. Okay. Uh, so discussing with uh, Johnson or Dwayne Johnson, uh, who played the demi the demigod Maui in the original Pacific Island adventure, um, uh, are appearing. Looking good, the former pro wrestler and term blockbuster uh, movie maker um, has uh, producing, uh, it apparently is producing the previously announced uh, live action adaptation of Maui. Why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> is my question. Why would you do that? Makes no sense. Um, did, but hey, hang on. I want to make sure I heard what I just heard. <laughs> did you say Maui is going to be animated in the live action one? No, they're going to do a live action Maui. A, li- a live and action. Okay. Gonna I knew Maui. they were making a live action Moana. Yeah. For some reason, I thought you said Maui was going to be animated in the live action Moana. I was going, Why would you do that? Dwayne Johnson could pull that role off. He that can. is true. He's built like a mountain. Mm. Granted, why are we making more anim- live-action animated movies? Yeah. Because Disney doesn't... You have the Muppets! Give me Muppet Moana, I am there! <laughs> you know what I want? I want Muppet Princess Bi- Bride so badly. Muppet Princess Bride? So badly, yes. I want Muppets uh, Beauty and the Beast... Where only the where instead of it being a beast, it's actually just a normal human, and when he turns back to being you know human again at the end, he turns into a muppet. <laughs> oh, that's, that's great! Kind of amazing. That that's what great. I want. <laughs> so, um, going back to uh, the news, uh, through his uh, company Seven Bucks Banner, however, the project has been dropped from its original two thousand um, June twenty seventh two thousand twenty five date release. And appears is not in production. Disney and Seven Bucks did not add additional comments to this, so we don't know if actually the, like there's no production of anything of this. Uh, so it might just be a rumor. Uh, and also uh, from a, a good friend from the show, thank you Heather, because she's always very... she kept us up to date. Oh my this week. gosh, she That's was me. on top of it like no one's business. Because uh, obviously we had uh, Inside Out come out, Inside Out two, two trailer come out. We've already got two of them, so go check those out. We're on YouTube. That um, came out like as we were getting ready for last week's episode. Yes, exactly. So, and so they announced uh, Toy Story five. Why will be yeah, released why? in two thousand twenty six? I'm sorry. Again, why? Toy we're gonna get to this movie eventually. Yeah. Toy Story 3 had the perfect ending. Exactly. Toy Story 4, while not great, showed that they needed to stop. Exactly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was it was okay, but it wasn't it was not the the original trilogy. Why are we making a fifth one? Yeah, exactly. Where could they go with the story? Spoilers! What is not with the gang anymore? Okay, here here's here's my thought. Here's my thought. Either A, either A, uh, Woody goes missing. They they discover that Woody's well, already missing. He's well, hanging he's, out with little Bo Peep at the at the circus. Yeah, <laughs> or like he's he's be, like they they rehash the second one or something like that where he gets kidnapped the gang as we get him. Or or we we do something that kind of akin to our age group now. So we have Andy who is now a little bit older. He's now in career and he's got uh 
uh, asset, assets to burn. So he goes back and buys the gang back for his. Oh okay, yeah, that would be real good for that little girl that oh, he yeah, sold. Uh, he gave those things. <laughs> those yeah. Yeah. Plus, he's still going to have Woody because Woody's not with that group anymore, and now he's going to be wondering why there's this spork with. Uh, oh God! Oh, there's typewriters all over it. Freaking Forky. spork character, right? Porky, um, that's it. Forky, Forky needs Forky. to die. <laughs> Forky is the Elmo of Toy Story. Oh yeah, China. But they showed Buzz the picture. They showed Buzz flying over, and it looked like there were carnival rides. Yes. So I think they're going to have Woody cameo, basically. Probably. Sounds like it, but I'm still going, why? Let this be done. Let yeah, don't. Let you are die. allowed to stop. You're, you're allowed to let a franchise be. It can die gracefully. It can. It really yeah, can. Yeah, but it won't let it. Thank you, Heather. Every uh, time we think they're out, they pull it back in. Yeah, exactly. It's like, come on, just be like for for me. It's like go back to what Disney was doing back in the nineties. Make would, new stuff. Make new stuff. Because that great. The last the best stuff they did new was Strange Worlds, and that movie didn't do well. Well, I didn't. I I still haven't watched that film, so I don't know what's yeah. going to be bad about it. I yeah, like exactly. the anything, idea of it. If it's anything like Lightyear was, which also should probably that could have been good. Yeah, Similar. but Similar obviously in. they don't know what they're doing. So yeah, yeah. sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry, sorry. Similar in theme, huh? Oh, Lightyear was similar in theme as Strange Just... World. I've seen them both. Oh, okay. To quote another Disney property that they bought, "Let the past die. Kill it if you have to." <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah. That is so true. So go, going into news. And again, thank you so much, Heather, for your uh, devotion to keeping us updated yes. what's going on in the world of animation. Uh, we we got the official new logo for Sonic Sonic Hedgehog three. Yeah. And I'm um, so excited about that. No, <laughs> you think? I'm gonna let you finish your that. news, and if you have left one tiny little oh interesting <laughs> thing out, I'm gonna bring it up. Okay, <laughs> it's not really official news, but it's because of how the internet's reacting, especially fans. Okay, <laughs> okay. so apparently we are getting a Knuckles show yes. on ah. on, on, uh, on Paramount Plus. I am interested um, in that. Yeah, with uh, Idris Elba reprising his role as Knuckles, and it looks cool because apparently it's a road trip movie, and. Uh, we, like you go watch the trailer there again. Thank you, Heather, for mm-hmm. giving uh, give you update what's been going on in the news. And uh, uh, let me think. Is there anything else has been up today? So I do want to talk about one little interesting cultural thing related that Sonic the Hedgehog three. Yes. They they also announced like uh, people who have agreed to be on the film, but they haven't announced their roles yet. Yes. Mm. One of these actresses. Has blonde hair, oh, which no. makes everyone think that. And if you're doing a shadow Maria. movie, you gotta bring in his past with Maria Robotnik, mm-hmm. which means oh no, the internet is strangely <laughs> happy about the possibility of seeing a teenage girl get shot in a Sonic the Hedgehog film. Jeez, oh, no, no. Oh, now no. I was okay. Hey, it's been a hot minute. Correction. It's been three years, <laughs> yeah. maybe two years. Whenever it was, I played Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic Adventure 2 yeah. on stream. Since I saw the original clip mm-hmm. of Maria's death, and I so I went back and watched that. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I'm curious how bad, if, if it really showed anything. And, of course, it doesn't. You just yeah. you don't even hear a gunshot. It's just 
You hear them being chased, and then she's kind of doubled over, grabbing her stomach, and yeah. that's about it. Yeah. Wait. For and then I checked out the when hedgehog. they. <laughs> then I checked out when they redid this scene oh in my. Shadow the Hedgehog. Mm. You know the one where you where you're rolling around to Shadow the Hedgehog with a gun, <laughs> because that was a great idea for a game. Mm-hmm. But they. This is part. This is trying to him trying to figure out who he really is. We get this scene again, mm-hmm. and that strangely enough does not show anything other than what I just described, but in slightly higher fidelity because it's a newer console. Yes. Then I tr- then I remembered that Sonic the Adventure Two was adapted in the Sonic X anime. Oh no! So I had to go check that one out to see how they did it. No. Guess which of these three was the most graphic? Sonic, Sonic X. X. Sonic X. <laughs> they have a whole thing where they are trying to find out what happened to. They, we only get to see it from Shadow's point of view. They, uh, Sonic and Sonic, I think actually Tails and whatever their strange human from that show was, yeah. are talking to the security guard who was chasing Shadow and Maria. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we're seeing it from his point of view because he's actually sad that this happened. Yeah, yeah he has regrets. So, in other words, it's all, in every other version oh, in the games, right. it's only it. alluded to right. and that mm-hmm. she died and that it may have been a gunshot. <laughs> they nearly just show it in the anime, wow. which is real funny when you consider this was adapted in America by four kids. Oh my four gosh. Kids, yeah. I checked that edit too. <laughs> <laughs> of course. They don't even show it. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. But I, 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 I thought I remember seeing the cinematic for Shadow the Hedgehog. They actually show the gun point up. They show a gun point up because it is a more thing, but they don't act, you don't hear the gun go off. Mm. And you don't oh, see the I gun did. go off. I, I heard it in a in one of the cinematic. I don't know, maybe maybe, maybe, maybe it so. was a, um one for a trailer. Maybe it wasn't right. in the maybe. Game. But the one in uh but the, I thought it was funny that the Sonic X one he's literally pointing this gun in both the English, both the English, four kids version and the original Japanese version, at this twelve-year-old girl or how wow. old she is, and then they have to cut away from him actually pulling the trigger oh, <laughs> in the American version. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, because it's for kids, it's and you know, and yet kids. Paramount's gonna probably do this a lot worse than everybody oh, else. No. Oh, I don't want to see it. No, now, I'm sure it will be. I'm, I'm sure it's not gonna be that bad because I mean, uh, yeah, it's paramount. That worse, this is gonna be rated PG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think that's what the others are rated. Yeah. yeah. But we did actually get one other little interesting trivia tidbit. Jim Carrey is going to be back? We yeah. talked about that last week. We did. Ooh. I'm actually referring to one other little thing we learned this week. Oh. That uh, a certain... That while Crush 40 is not connected to the film, okay. one of their songs is... <laughs> Oh yes, no! Yes, 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 yes. It's already been a. It's already the, the rights were already sold. Oh my to Paramount God. for this. Oh. So, with any luck, we're not going to get a crappy version of Live and Learn. Okay, that's fair. But I mean, how many times I've heard this song on like trips with Drew? I'd be like, no. it's great. Do not get me wrong. Yeah. It's great. But there's a reason that during the Sonic Symphony, it was the encore song. Uh-huh. It's amazing. So, yeah. Anyway, sorry, that's my last part of my news. Okay, good. Because, I mean, like, once you said, I said Sonic, it's like, oh, Drew is probably dick died, just dug everything he could. Not really. Not really. It's just, I literally, I happened to be, I I was like, okay, cool. We got the Sonic Hedgehog 3 coming up. We've got this Knuckles TV show coming up. All that sounds great. I am here for it. I don't care if everybody else hates it. I'm here for it. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I'm just on 
uh, Kotaku, always a mistake. I was <laughs> Kotaku one day, and they've got this story up there how people are excited to see a 12-year-old get shot. Oh, I'm gosh. Going, this sounds like something Kotaku would latch on to. And I didn't even bother reading it. I just saw the headline and moved on. Yeah. And then I was on IGN. And they're reporting on it, too. It's like, okay, uh-huh. this is actually a big thing, isn't it? Uh-huh. Y'all are, this is, this is taking over the internet and parts of the internet I'm not on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The ones you okay. don't want to be on. Well, I'm sure it's Reddit. Yeah. At least. Probably. Actually, in all honesty, it's 4chan. And I ain't going to be on 4chan. <laughs> no, fair, no 4chan. Yeah. I don't even go on Reddit. <laughs> so, yeah. Is that all we got for news? Yes. Then I get to play a bumper we haven't played in a while. Yes. Interrogation. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. Fi- we are finally back with a uh, a new interrogation segment where our listeners know if we have a new or recurring guest. Where we go and ask them a drill of questions they have not been prompted to. They they have no prep time for this. So <laughs> the only prep time that Miss Stephanie got, yeah, was when. She asked what what was going to happen. I said, there's probably going to be an interrogation, which I can't tell you anything else about. Exactly. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So, <laughs> so Steph, uh, they're going to be like, you have been a very wonderful follower of our show, very much alive in our comic sessions and on our uh, uh, the cell chat and everything. Just be like, you are very... Uh, Colorful and very much alive mm-hmm. in those chats. Uh, again, thank you for that. Uh, so, uh, getting into the interrogation proper, what was your favorite cartoon growing up? Gosh, there were so many. Um, I think the ones I probably watched the most were, that I can think of, were um, Sailor Moon. The movie that I watched over and over and over again was My Neighbor Totoro. Oh, um, nice. good choice. Very good choice. Um, mostly Disney. So pretty much if anything was on Disney Channel, I'd be there. Disney Channel, oh, okay. Nickelodeon, Excellent. Cartoon Network. Uh, what was the last animated film you went saw in theaters? Oh, gosh, I don't even know. Um, I honestly have no idea. Um, it's Me and Mom haven't watched movies like in theater in years. Yes. Um, okay. Oh, okay. Because of, you know, outside... The thing COVID. that will not be named, yeah. I got gotcha. you. The, the thing that haunted us our second year <laughs> yeah, on the exactly, show. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Thanks, COVID. Right. I know that the last. I think the. Oh my gosh, I don't know. I hate to say it. The only one I can think of that I saw on Netflix recently was the second Chicken Run movie. <laughs> how I was that, it, by the way? I yeah, know, we haven't watched that one yet. Yeah, how was that? It's one of those where it didn't necessarily need to be made, but it's cute. Okay. You know, um, it's actually got... it did need to be made, so DreamWorks would not have any part of it. Oh, <laughs> to keep the rights, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it definitely it oddly enough it kind of toned down on the Britishness a little bit, hmm. which I wasn't happy with. I feel hmm. like since they've been doing Netflix stuff, they're trying to cater a little bit more. Oh, I'm sorry, I lied. The most recent animated film I watched then was Shaun the Sheep, the movie. Shaun the Sheep. Okay. The movie. Yes. It's the cutest thing ever. Uh, Farmageddon? No, the Second actual the first one. The first one. Oh, okay. That was uh, 2017, I think. Okay. Oh, okay. Way, way better. Cuter, more whimsy. Yeah, it's, it's a lot better. But yeah, that. <laughs> okay. Okay. 
Um, your least favorite animated film. What you just can't stand. The Elmo of animated films. I'm happy to say I, I don't really have a lot of those. Hmm. Um, I just know in general that if it's badly animated, like if the quality isn't good, or especially oh. if the syncing of the lips isn't correct, mm -hmm. that messes me up. Like, especially if you have someone who um, they jump around between studios so that the, mm -hmm. the syncing is wrong. Oh, I hate that. Oh, okay. Okay. I was so unprepared. <laughs> that's part of the, that's part of the interrogation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Throw you something you're not expecting. No, exactly. Um, oh, what was, what was an animated either movie or television series you watched as a kid and went back and rewatched as an adult and... You didn't like it as much. Pokemon. Pokemon. Pokemon okay. okay. Yeah, because I, I watched the dub version, and mm -hmm. it's it, it's kind of hokey. You know, I mean, it's supposed to be, but I I really wish I could go back and watch the original Japanese dub so I can get more of what they're actually going for. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. That can be found. Oh, I'm in sure. In legal places, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think actually no, no, because the ones on Netflix are Prime, the probably. poor kids version. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so and those are edited, so you can't have the Japanese in there. Oh, yeah, but yeah, it can so, be found somewhere. So the 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 thing I think about Pokemon, I think of the the eternal twelve year old who after twenty years finally wins a championship. <laughs> First off, <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. He had won. He won the Orange League back in the That's original true. back in the original run. But they, they're really? like, no, yes. he has to keep going. Well, the fact that the Orange League was not actually based on a game. On anything. It was all filler. It, it was, was all filler. It was a good filler saga. I liked it a lot. It yeah, it's good. actually, it, from what I remember, it was good. Yeah. Uh, secondly, yeah, it, the fact that it took him 20 years to, to win the thing, despite the fact it's probably only, what, three or four years in universe? In, that's in, uh, Probably. And the fact that he's able to pretty much go around the entire Pokemon world in one year because he happens to know a professor? Mm-hmm. True. Physically impossible. But let's face it, you go, you go back and you watch the Indigo League and you yeah. realize how horrible a trainer Ash actually <laughs> is. I'm I not mean, talking about he was ignorant. I mean, he's like... He's like so Team Rocket were better Pokemon trainers than he was. Well, I mean, there's that theory too. They're like every time he goes to a new region, his Pokemon, like in the game, they become um, like uh, experience locked, so that they basically go down to zero every single time, and that's why. He's well, a, a lot of times time. he, a lot of times from what I, he actually doesn't, he leaves all his old Pokemon. You know, back as how it's yeah. in the games, it would be in PC, he but wherever, them. wherever they're all, all his eighty Tauros are still running around Oak's Plantation Those back there. Uh, they will but never he always just goes, start, goes with Pikachu. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The fact of the matter that Pikachu at this point should be like one shotting everything, everything, yeah. <laughs> even the fact that he never evolved into Raichu, which admittedly there was a good reason for that, mm -hmm. but he should be one shotting everything at this point. Absolutely. Yep. All it I gotta say is kudo, Neko. Kudo. Mm. Um, they're gonna be like, I, I, I watched Digimon, so yeah, oh, yeah. that's that's, that's like where Digimon. my bias Digimon comes from. Cool. Digimon's got good storytelling. I just wish that it, their Digivolutions actually made sense. It was fun. I like Let's it. say that. I don't mind. So, it. 
Digimon is the only thing where the monster could go from being a house cat to an and a female angel, and no one bat an eye. That's true. That that's one, a one. I, under, I understand that one. I get that one. Yeah. And, there, and that's like the most. <coughs> that, that, that's like the one that didn't surprise us, mm. right? Well, I mean, Panamon's not really even like a, a specific animal. He's just like I remember TK was making a joke. He's like, "Oh, are you a pig? I'm not a pig, TK." Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a pig. Is. No, he's a guinea yeah. pig with wings. Basically. Yeah, that's true. Your wings. A really big guinea pig. <laughs> really guinea pig. He's cute. Though. Anyways, so getting back into the interrogation. Let, let's let's not forget the uh, the little puppy Digimon that turns into a giant rabbit with machine gun arms. Oh, I uh, love Terriermon. Terriermon. Yeah, that's. He's a lot bunny. He's a bunny. Which it's cool. Don't get me wrong, but I'm still going as the person who is on the Pokemon side of the fence. Fair. Yeah. You want it to make it sense. makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. At least when Pokemon yeah. evolve, Yo-kai. you can kind of see it with, with some exceptions. <laughs> but all for the most part, you can yeah. see how one went to game the other. There. Except for Slowbro. Slowbro makes no sense. Slowbro. What I would like to know is how does the Shelter uh, evolve <laughs> to a different form, but but only when it's connected to Slowpoke. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And if it falls off, why isn't that a Pokemon separate? Because that's obviously an evolution of that one. That's true. But anyway, sorry. Yeah. So, getting back into the interrogation, this was all amazing talk, but back <laughs> into interrogation. So, uh, are you an anime fan? Yes. Okay. So, what anime universe would you not want to be stuck in? Oh, gosh. Pretty much any of them that aren't Slice <laughs> of Life. Because you're going to die. Like, but um. If it's Shonen, yes. True. Like literally, you said that first thing that popped in my mind: Attack on Titan. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, run. Or, um, I that's a funny thing is that I'm an anime fan, but I'm more of a casual. So like, hilariously, the really popular stuff, I have no idea. But Fair. um, I think out of my knowledge, probably wouldn't want to be in like you said, like a, a shonen anime because I wouldn't be able to survive <laughs> you know that is true naruto attack on titan um what's another one of them uh promise neverland Ugh. um oh the one know. where the kids get eaten uh-huh yeah so, ones like that so yummy kiddo snack num mm-hmm. no thanks but um oh what's the other one uh made in the is it made in the made in abyss? Made in the abyss. Made in the abyss. Oh, anyway, um, <laughs> uh, I've only I'm one of those people that looks up clips of things, and of course I decide to look at them and I see all the traumatic ones because that's the one that people that's you know are they popular. Advertise, yeah. Exactly. So yeah, pass. <laughs> I'll take a shojo. Thank you. Like a non non supernatural shojo, just regular. Just... I got you. <laughs> I love I, I love the I love the, I love the response that um. That uh, Necker brought Necker give, Yeah, that's, those are your two picks. Yeah, Evangelion and Inuyasha. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Oh, or yeah. Berserk. Or Bear Berserk. in mind, this is ones we don't want to be in. So yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree. I don't want to be in the world of Evangelion. Yeah. No. Especially what I ran across when oh, I was doing gosh, research no. today. Oh, you poor thing. <laughs> uh, well, I, we'll get to it. But <laughs> I get there. We'll get there when we get there. Mm. But as a tease... They mentioned something that I had to double check because I could have sworn it was named something else. Uh, <laughs> and I was right. Oh. But they don't want to tell you that for a long time. Oh, oh no. gotcha. So anyway. But, uh, oh, okay, cool. 
Uh, so an old, like a very classic one we love to do. Uh, if you were stuck on a desert island, you had a television, able to watch what animated series, anime or American or wherever series you could bring with you, but you only bring one with you. What would be? Oh, that's so hard. <laughs> You're going to think I'm weird. Maybe not, but <laughs> unless there's, it's like a one episode thing. Okay. Yeah. There's a show that I absolutely adore. It's called Cheese Sweet Adventures. It's oh, the one about the kitten. About the kitten, exactly. You know, so I've, I've run across. I've not watched it. This is not the one I was telling you about a couple years ago about the, the the anime where it's about a guy who adopts a kitten, and yeah. you see the story from both their points of view. Yeah, it's not that one. My new boss is Goofy. That's the one. Because oh. I've seen that cat, and I love that cat. I'm obsessed with cats. <laughs> So, but yeah, it's cute because like you can tell it's an anime made for kids, but it doesn't play dumb. It makes the cat seem dumb because she's a little baby. Like she doesn't know anything, but it's really sweet. It shows her and her family and I would watch, I would bring that um, only um, subs, only English subs because I'm biased. And uh, um, no it's, worries. It's, it's cute. I would bring that. Can I can I cheat and give a secondary option? Sure, sure. Bluey, Bluey. Well, Bluey, yeah. Bluey, okay. I love Bluey so much. Bluey, well, it's so good. I have an interesting history with Bluey because I did a uh, commission. I, yeah. The uh, like last year, I think it was last year. Uh, uh, a friend, a dear friend of ours, Chase Beeler, his friend, uh, reached out to me like, "Hey, can you do Bluey with Star Wars?" Ooh. And so I for did a commission for a commission. And so I had no idea what Bluey was, so I had to go to <laughs> Disney Plus and find it. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is so freaking good. So the writing good. is so well done on Bluey. I was like, oh, I'm God. impressed. This is a little kid show that is so well written. This That's is, made so for the parents. <laughs> I I know that I, that this show is uh is well, it is a kid show. It's been it's made for the adults, and the writing is good. Mm-hmm. It's and I've seen clips where it's like, oh, I see what you're doing there. It's just the general tone I can't get through. Fair. It's oh, just like a little the, too the preschool for me. Well, yeah, yeah, that's, that's fair. True. Well, you can tell by the way I talk, probably, that I'm very bubbly, high-pitched oh, yeah. person. Yeah. So that's, I'm okay with that. That's yeah, fair. Me bubbly, I don't mind. It's just, <laughs> this is a little... Uh, it's a little too Nick Jr. for me. Okay. Yeah. Fair. That's oh, the best fair. way I know how to put that. That's fair. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Oh, I wouldn't want to be Dragon Ball either. Sorry. No, so good. I, no. I do not want to be. There is a manga uh, about it. It's an it's an isekai story mm-hmm. of a guy who gets teleported into the Dragon Ball world and ends up as Yamcha and has to <laughs> survive. Oh, jeez. Oh, and I that, want um, to read it. Oh, my gosh. Poor Yamcha. Hajirobi? Hajirobi? The, the big fat guy with the sword? Yeah, Yajirobi. Yeah, Yajirobi. Yeah, he survived somehow. He's somewhere yes. out there. Well, a, he knows Corrin, who is, like, right below Kami in terms of godhood. Mm. <laughs> okay, I didn't true. Know so, I mean, he's he's got some supernatural protection there. Right, right, that's true. Oh, my that's God. But no, this is Yamcha. Yeah, Yamcha. Yamcha. The one who is famous both here and in Japan for the, his death scene, where after he gets blown up by Cybermen, and that whole shot of him lying dead in that... In that that has um, been memed so many That thing has been memed so bad. That's the guy. That the guy oh, yeah. gets teleported oh, yeah. into the world, Oh, that's funny. 
And all, 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 I, all I think about that now is to be like a Dragon Ball Z abridged, and it's just like <laughs> it's just so funny. Cadaverific. Cadaverific. We're gonna have to find a way to do Dragon Ball Z abridged on this show. You need to. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, we can, but we got so many other Dragon Ball things to do on this show. And now they're doing Dragon Ball Z abridged what? shorts. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's mostly done. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, yeah, they're, they're still doing stuff. Yeah, they're yeah. still doing stuff with it. But uh, so another round of questions. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm trying to think of something. Um, if um, our, I'm trying to think. If you if you were to introduce an animation, no, yeah. Either an animated movie or an anime to like your parents or whatever, your mom, your dad, whatever. What would you want to introduce them, knowing that they might? I don't know if they might have a bias towards it or not, but trying to introduce them to something that is something you love and you want them to love as well. Oh, that'd be hard because mom's not an anime person. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, I uh, I think the the one that would be the easiest palatable for her would be the um cheese sweet adventure one because she okay. actually has watched it before a little bit and she was like oh that's cute you know mm -hmm. but i think if it was my friends and like general acquaintances who actually yeah. like anime i'd, I'd want to have them watch delicious and dungeon i think they might actually like it it's funny cool. it's good oh the fact that it's a cooking show in a dungeon in a DD mm -hmm. campaign basically is just the funniest thing ever oh my gosh so kind of kind of with this be like, uh, what is your favorite Disney movie? Oh, also a hard thing. Yes. Um, let's see. I think I have categories. Disney princess wise, Beauty and the Beast. Okay. Love that movie. Um, what do you think I, about the remake? I, or the live action movie? I feel like it's because I've watched a lot of BBC stuff and I kind of see the silly way that they had. Um, uh, Fair. The way that they acted and stuff, like the the niceties and the politeness. Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, I've seen how that makes sense a little more in a real world kind of setting, you know, for Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Um, it's okay, but I mean, nothing's going to compare to the to the animated version. That the, is so true. The micro expressions and just mm -hmm. the, mm -hmm. you know everything. Um, and obviously, when I was a little girl, I wanted to be Belle. Not going to lie, I have sung the songs very many times recently anyway uh <laughs> yes <laughs> um i'm a disney karaoke person anyhow oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um pixar wise wally absolutely love mm. the sound design love the story love the characters my Another second favorite for that one is um ratatouille mm -hmm. just because of the the way that the character design is like all caricatures and the soft lighting artistic wise mm -hmm. it is Excellent. Um, uh, I, I've never seen Wally. Oh, it's so cute. You've not watched Wally? No, I've never seen Wally. It's good. We need to it's do that really one soon. Okay. It's really cute. I may put that on after the wedding. Okay. It's adorable. I yeah, it's really cute. But um, yeah. Unless somebody pays us ten dollars and gets it on there sooner. <laughs> <laughs> Heck, I might do that. Oh, uh, let's see. Put on your Sunday clothes. There's lots of world out there. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that's probably my best favorite one. Okay, so I, 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 I there again, this is going into a little more detail of uh, Beauty and the Beast, the live action movie. Uh, what did you think of what? What is your thought on 
Josh Groban's cover of Evermore from that film. Oh, thank you so much because I actually just listened to that recently. Um, I the way Josh Groban sings, mm-hmm. it's always airy. It's always up, up high, floaty. Mm-hmm. It's very like angelic kind of. Mm-hmm. But I kind of think that doesn't quite match the tone of the song itself. Yeah. Hilariously, I know that that poor guy who sang it, um, I can't remember his name. Um, they had to auto-tune the heck out of it. Dan Stevens. It, Dan Stevens. And I know it, it sounds funky, but it matches because he's acting it out. Like he's, you know, he's an actor. Mm-hmm. So so he's he's putting the inflection yeah. in that song. So I think um uh in notes josh groban's is better mm-hmm. in actual tone and performance of the scene um the original is better okay fair enough fair enough so what is so with disney going in and doing live action remakes of all their classics what is one of the disney's ever since they haven't touched yet you don't want them to touch <sighs> kind of don't want them to do Lilo and Stitch. Because I, I know they're planning this. on it. I know they are. I know. But um, the, the only good thing like about that is, is that Chris Sanderson is still voicing Stitch in that. So That's you know good. he's got to sign off on everything. Because yeah. like it's so stylized. It's not even the Disney stylization with like, you know, mm-hmm. the giant hips and the big legs. And oh, the, yeah, that's definitely Chris Sanders. Every, everything is rounded. There are no harsh edges anywhere on anything. Mm-hmm. And it's just great. I love that. I, oh, yeah. I, I wouldn't want them to necessarily change that. Um, with Atlantis, I kind of am yes and no on it because I would love for it to get a resurgence. But mm-hmm. again, it's the same thing. The, the animation, the stylization. I was actually just looking at um, the character designs for Atlantis and how it's so different again from from what they've done before, you know, classic Disney. Um, that yeah, I wouldn't necessarily want them to to alter that per se. Fair enough. Plus, it's Michael J. Fox voice acting. Yeah, I love of course. That. Like I love that. <laughs> Great Scott. <laughs> yeah, Johnny, be good. All right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Back to the Future all the way. One, mm-hmm. they should never remake that film. Mm-mm. Never. Never. What I think they ought to do is announce that they are releasing a new version of Groundhog Day. And then you go to see it in the theater, and it's the same movie. Uh, I have heard that joke. I have heard that meme, and I want it to happen now. I do. I so want it to happen. <laughs> it needs to Because exist. it would take – we, we would all be – don't show a trailer yeah or shoot a fake trailer for all i care and you go into that movie thinking you're going to see a brand new movie and all of a sudden it's the same movie because and about five minutes into it, you'd understand what they were doing oh <laughs> yeah my gosh, it's amazing. literally you, you just shoot this like this pre prelude to it and it's like oh this is a new movie no it's the same film and then put like the music well put your little hand in mind and add it from the yeah. alarm clock <laughs> Start the movie with that, yes. and then just and and that use that as the opening credits, and then you flash back, and then just play the movie as normal. <laughs> yes, please. Very don't even show anything. Just play that like over like the the. I don't know who the studio was that did that off mm. the top of my head, but show their logo. But instead of hearing the fanfare, you just hear that audio <laughs> clip. 
and then the movie starts as normal. <laughs> oh, I agree, Neko. Aristocats can't be live action. I feel like it would be hard to do. It would. It would be hard to do. It would be, be, like be like Dumbo. It'd be Lion King all over again. Yeah. I haven't even Where, seen except that, that actually has humans in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's got great songs though. Aristocats mm. does. That is true. I still. I know this isn't the question, but it's the first thing that popped in my mind. I still want them to be, there to be a Kingdom Hearts level based on the Rescuers. Yes, oh, where so the good. the Rescuers are helping Sora because Sora is the kid they're helping. Oh, that is good. Cool. Yes, absolutely. Cool, dude. Oh my god. It doesn't even have to be based on a specific movie. Just they're helping Sora get through whatever he's got to do. So put it on a standard world, but you've, you're running around with Bianca and uh, Bernard. And Bernard. Yes. Unfortunately, we're not going to have Jean-Jacques Gabor and and uh, uh, what is his oh, name? Um, crap. Newhart. Bob Newhart. Yeah, Bob Newhart. Because I believe neither one are with us anymore. Yeah, they, they both yeah. passed. So, but still, I it's like, oh, that. do something with that. That would be awesome. I want that so bad now. Oh, my gosh. Like, that was actually a good question. That was actually a very good question. But, like, if you were to be, like, just like, you know, uh, like, uh, Rescuers. Like, if you were to pick a movie for a Kingdom Hearts level, what would it be? There we go. <laughs> okay. Um, let's think. And I will even open it up to anything that Disney produces. Mm. Not just Disney or Pixar. Okay. Roger Rabbit, anybody? Oh, that yeah. would be too expensive. Fox, bro? It's Fox, huh? isn't it? No, Fox. Roger Rabbit's Fox. Disney. No, no, no. I mean that Disney produces now. Yeah, I will include yeah. Fox. 20th Century Fox. Okay, that. so that means that could be any of the Marvel stuff. That could be any of the Star Wars stuff. That could be... Gosh. Um... Ooh, how about Muppets? Alien. How about Muppets? I'm I'm all for a Muppets level. Yeah. yeah. I want to see what Sora looks like as a Muppet. Of course. That'd be awesome. I want to see that now. Oh my gosh. Kermit the Frog. Oh my gosh, what's going on? <laughs> it, it would be simple. You base it off the Muppet show, and instead of you having to fight Heartless on the level, this is your mini game stage. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so literally the, the all the mini games are just all all the the acts during the Muppet Show, and in between the acts, you get little scenes backstage with Kermit and Miss Piggy, you know, doing their thing, or whoever, whomever. I kind of love that, and I want that to happen. Cool. <laughs> so I, I think that's the interrogation. Thank you. That was fun. You're welcome. So because you're not staying with us for the Ava stuff, which we totally understand. Yeah, totally get. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and let you go after this, but first. Why don't you tell us where we can find you online? Okay, cool. Um, so as you said before, um, my handle's Artsy Steph. That's A-R-T-S-I-E-S-T-E-P-H. So um, I have art accounts, um, Artsy Steph Art, things like Facebook, um, you know, have my artwork. I've actually been able to illustrate some books. Nice. Really? Nice. Yes. You might know um, the guy who I've illustrated him with. Um, his name is AC Peckham. I've run across his stuff. There, I got I... to do Bun there. So oh, I, yeah. that's, the, that's the book that I'm in. So yeah, yes. I've been able to illustrate some books and it's been fun. So yeah, you can find me pretty much if you Google artsy stuff and that spelling, no one else has taken it. So you'll find me somewhere. Oh, okay. All Excellent. right. Well, in that case, Thank you, Artsy Steph, for joining us on the Cellcast. Uh, I guess we will talk at you later. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thank you.
thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you. It's yeah, and thank you for coming on. Yes. No problem. All right. Once again, that's Stephen He saying emotional damage. And uh, Eagle Eight Burger is the one who did the quote-unquote Lost Four Kids opening. So <laughs> go check all that stuff out. Yes. Tonight, we are looking at two episodes. We are on 16, 15 and 16, I believe. Yeah. I think that's the numbers. Not that it matters. Yeah. Um, first one tonight, Lies in Silence, or Those Women Long for the Touch of Others' Lips mm-hmm. and Thus Invited Their Kisses. Hidekiana, why the long names? <laughs> uh, directed by Naoyasu Habu and written by Hideakiano and Akia Satsukawa. In this episode, Shinji visits his mother's grave in the company of his father, and Masato reflects upon her bygone romance with Kaji. Soon afterwards, Kaji Masato discover a startling secret within Nerve's terminal dogma. Dum dum dum! This episode, there is no new cast. Ah. Trivia, our angel appearance. I specifically wrote this as Adam question mark. Yes, because I am already aware of something. Ah, <laughs> because I was I watched the rebuild films, yeah. and they and and I swear in the first one, they kind of already go ahead and show this particular one. Yes, and I do remember them calling him Adam, but something told me this was not Adam. Mm. Don't know what. Hmm. Something told me that's not who it was, and so I was making sure I was double checking. Maybe this was a thinking: is this a goof up with the Netflix stub I'm watching mm-hmm. or something? No, it's just that don't actually tell you who this is until episode twenty-five. Yeah, so I'm not going to tell you who it is either. <laughs> until then, anyway, during the uh, wedding sequence in this, yes, you hear a. Th- uh, three girls singing a uh, ja- song in Japanese. Mm-hmm. Uh, the song is Tento Mushi no Samba, which is the Ladybug's Samba. Okay. It is uh, a very popular song, sung in Japanese weddings since 1973. And in this version, it is sung by Megumi Ogata, a.k.a. the voice actress for Shinji Ikari, Yuko Miyamura, the voice actress for Asuka Langley Soryu, mm-hmm. and Miki Nag- Nagasawa, who is um, Maya Ibuki. Yeah, the uh, student council president. Oh, okay. Gotcha. That was the one that threw me off, for, too. I was like, mm-hmm. Maya Ibuki? Who is Maya Ibuki? Because it's not a name that's come up a lot. Mm-hmm. I think she's simply just called Mai. Mai, and probably, yeah. but in the Japanese version, she's Maya. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, it was a bonus track on the Neon Genesis Evangelion Edition album. It was originally released by Cherish, the husband-wife duo of Yoshitaka and mm-hmm. Etsuko Matsuzaki in 1973 mm. to widespread success within Japan, and the song remains quite popular and is played at weddings. Yeah. The version of Fly Me to the Moon in this is uh, sung by Masato, and it is, once again, the four-beat instrumentation. I gotcha. What's your thought on this episode? Oh, my gosh. Well, the the first thing that comes to mind with this... <laughs> the kiss between Shinji and Asuka... <laughs> I'm sitting there watching and go, he can't breathe. <laughs> I love that. It's so funny. I, I, I get the thing where she clamps his nose because breathing through your nose apparently tickles when you're kissing. It does. I'm sure it does. <laughs> I'm thinking, surely this is not going to take long. No. Um, the, 45 the, seconds to a minute later. Yeah. And, it, it shows and up. it's not just like... I half expected when we were going to get a long, drawn-out thing like this, that this is one of Evangelion's famous fill-time movements because we ran out of money for this episode. Oh. Kind of thing that happens from time to time. Right, agree. Where we stay on a shot too long, but we have to cover this amount of time. Right. Except, no, Pin Pin walks in, uh-huh. sees what's going <laughs> on, walks into his refrigerator, closes the door. And then Shinji's skin turns purple. <laughs> oh, it's it's it's, well, it's color color purple, but actually that's, color purple. I think that's right. when it turned blue. Yeah, it was going like, for green. Let the man breathe, <laughs> Oscar. <laughs> and then she does by running into the uh, the bathroom, <laughs> like gargling. <laughs> well, here's the thing: in the eighty, I read it in the ADV dub. She kind of lets out a black. Yeah, before she does it. That is not the other versions. Oh, really? That is an ABV edition because it's not meant, it's not supposed to come across as the experience was disgusting. Yeah. Like the ADV dub kind of gives you the feeling. It does. It's mostly meant to be, I don't know why I did that. Yeah. Kind of a thing. Yeah. The ADV, like, she grows off disgusted and it's like, be like, I'm never going to be like, I can't believe I kissed more boredom. <laughs> Admittedly, <laughs> it is kind of a stupid thing to do well it's teenagers being teenagers and, and, and it's oscar who it's her way or the highway that is true that is so true but like it's it's this great episode where you get Masat, Masat, masato mm-hmm. masato is be like she's you like you have all these people who are getting married and engaged in the whole bit and she has this thing for kaji and and she's feeling a little bit like an old maid yeah exactly and uh Wouldn't know a thing about what that feels like no <laughs> no of course not of course not uh, so, like, this episode's very well done. Be like, you have this combination of, like, Asuka and her feeling for, uh, Kaji. And, uh, it's like, it's so great because Kaji just kind of blows her off because it's obviously the age gap. And, uh, and be like, he's, he's got his, his thing is Masato. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just, it's so well done that, that scene where, Kaji, Kaji, being the gentleman, yeah. brings uh, Masato back to the apartment, and she, like, uh, Asuka's all over him. She's like, well, oh, see, this, I this smell is, peppermint. This is after Asuka nearly killed Shinji nearly with, killed the, Shinji. with the kiss. Yes. And she's still kind of disgusted with herself more than she is with Shinji. Yeah. At that moment. And then he, uh, the door opens, and Shinji says, oh, it's, uh, is it Ryuji? Kaji. Kaji. Oh, it's Kaji. She goes, oh, really? She's like, like nothing ever happened. Yeah, exactly. Like, you, girl. 
it's like, well, it's, it's well, like in, like in a previous scene, it's like there oh, was another oh, word. Oh, I Kazi's the only man for me. She says that to Shinji. It's like you have a crush. Go get a crush on someone your age. Yeah, that's true. Or, I'm not or, saying you need to be dating Shinji. I don't. I, that is not my ship. Right. I don't have any ships for this? <laughs> the, the, uh, these ships have sailed <laughs> a long time ago. Yeah, but uh. Like there's such a, I mean, like it's uh, the idea of like the the title of the show, the whole episode is where uh, you have these 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 women, these female characters throughout the sh- the, the show are like pining or longing after a guy, and they just they they want to embrace him and love him and that kind of stuff. But you 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 find very shortly that like Oscar uh, is be, like her her affections are not being. Um, uh, I want to say correlated, but that's the wrong word. Mm-hmm. But you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, they're not being returned in kind. Uh, unrequited. Unrequited. There we go. Unrequited. And, um, but, oh my gosh, this, it's so well done. And then you get this big reveal that Kaji is, it's like, oh, be like, oh, there's this big thing that he shows Masato. And it's like, oh, what is this? We don't know what it is. It's the LCL reactor. LCL. That's what it says on the sign. Uh, LCL reactor. Hmm. Or generator or something to that effect. Yeah, generator. It's supposed to be, this is where all the LCL comes from. And they're not wrong. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they just aren't telling you how it's got, where they're getting it from. That's true. And is it, I can't remember, just correct me if I'm wrong. Is this the one where we see uh, Ray in the the the, the, uh, the tube? Is that this episode? At the is, very end. Yeah, the yeah. very end. It, it was, because uh, she, at one point, early, as it's getting close to the end of the episode, they're back in school the next day, mm-hmm. and he's going to get. He wants to get a. Uh, the, the teacher wants to get a girl to read the next part for him. Calls on Ray. Rim, yeah, Ray suddenly remembers. Oh yeah, she's not here. Yeah, and then I don't know if he calls anybody else because we go. To, oh, she's not here. I wonder where she is. Oh, and she's in, and and we see her in the tube. And I'm going, is that Ray or is that a clone of Ray? Yeah, it's because I'm having a feeling that that. A video I showed you back when we first started this may have had more inside references than I realized. <laughs> yeah, just maybe a little bit. Uh, the 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 so that scene in particular where uh, the teacher is calling upon uh, Ayanami to uh, read, and you get these like both Shinji and uh, Asuka are, are both kind of looking very sheepish. Like they don't know what's going on, but they're both maybe kind of still embarrassed of what happened the night before <laughs> with the kiss. Mm-hmm. So, but, uh, yeah, oh, my gosh, this is a really good episode. And it, start, it starts to really deepen, dig into things. And uh, I love the next episode. It's so well done. So yeah. uh, let's let's get into episode. Yeah, let's get into the next one. Yeah. Uh, the sickness unto death and then dot, 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 mm-hmm. or splitting of the breast. That's an interesting title. It's an interesting title. <laughs> yes. Directed by... Kazuya Tsurumaki and written by Hideaki Anno and Hirishi Yamaguchi. Getting into this, the, the summary for this episode, a bizarre angel possessing a spherical shadow in the air and a Dirac C-type body on the ground absorbs Shinji and Ava-1 while Nerve searches for a means of destroying the angel, even if that means killing Shinji as well. Shinji, languishing inside the entry plug, ponders this, his role as a pilot and his relationship with the people in his life. Mm-hmm. 
say that it's very it's very appropriate that I was started playing Persona Three Reload this week because <laughs> there's a lot of similar themes. Yeah. So uh, this, getting in, getting let me finish. Getting into the trivia. The angel in this one is apparently named Lele. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find out what that was a reference to. But Lele is an extremely bizarre entity that exists in a pocket dimension explained only by higher-order physics physics theories. Initially, Lele appears to be a floating sphere with a warped black-and-white color pattern that suddenly appears over Tokyo 3. However, Lele's real body is actually what appears to be a shadow on the ground. Mm. The manifestation of Lele's body in our dimension is 680 meters wide, but only 3 nanometers thick. The floating sphere is just the shadow it casts in our dimension. Yes. Because it possesses an inverted AT field. And I, I don't know where. I, I'm getting all this from uh, Ava Geeks, by the way. Yeah. And I, I this, some of this information may be coming from later in the series. It probably I'll admit, is. Because I don't know what to edit out of this and what Fair. not to. I did edit some things out because it's very mm-hmm. obvious that would be important in another episode. Mm-hmm. But um, it can absorb any material from our dimension inside of its body which apparently is called a Duroxy. A Duroxy is a vacuum-like pocket dimension from which there is no escape. And this is a real theory. Yeah. This is not made up for this show. This is a real thing physicists yeah. apparently believed in. It's a real scientific term, though it's not fully explained on screen. It is a theoretical model of the vacuum of an infinite sea of particles possessing negative energy that was invented by the British physicist Paul Dirac in 1930. Really? Yeah. Okay. Lele's striped appearance visually corresponds to the younger Shinji's striped shirt. Mm-hmm. Gee, I wonder if there's a connection. Maybe. Shinji attacks Lele with a pistol that appears to be an Ava-sized version of the IMI Desert Eagle. Mm-hmm. This is the only time in the series this weapon is shown. Also, Asuka uses the Sonic Glaive Axe to climb up a building and escape the shadow. And at this axe, his own axe is never seen again for the remainder of the series. Hmm. According to that, yeah. the flying to the moon in this one begins with a trio vocal interlude hmm. that is in Japanese, and the re- second half of it is a normal orchestra. Huh. The ja- Japanese voices, and they are the ones who are doing the singing later, mm-hmm. are these Japanese voices for Asuka, Ray, and Masato. The English translations of those phrases are Hey, you want to kiss? Why don't you become one with me? Who are you? Loneliness. It has become one in mind and body. It is a very comfortable feeling. Pleasure. Sky of reality. Cruel strangers. Do you want me? Do you love me? Wow. Fill my heart with song. <laughs> That's where the song comes back in. Fair. And I'm going, uh... <laughs> See, when I first heard that, when I was going... Because I have been going back and listening to the mm-hmm. ending of this song... Because this is not in the Netflix version, yeah. unfortunately. Sad. Because they, and honestly, I think I understand why Netflix didn't pay for this. But I am going back and watching this on YouTube. And I first heard that, I thought, did they just start the recording early and threw this stuff in here? For no good reason? Hmm. It's like, are they talking about what they need to do for their next take on this song? Hmm. And start halfway through it? That's just weird. Yeah. And then I looked up those what they said, and I went, uh... This is Hide- it's got Hideki Anno written all over it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I've got for this the trivia for this one. I got you. Again, this is another brilliant episode where you have Shinji 
has gotten a little too confident <laughs> for once in his life. <laughs> like Shinji has gotten in the robot in this episode. <laughs> yes. And he's about to pay the price. Yeah, there's the, the point where we like he's like his test scores are better because obviously there's something going on. We know this. Yeah. Something's going on. We aren't going to tell you what. Yeah. Let's just say well, it probably was not a coincidence that we went to his mother's grave last episode. True. True. And the the fact that like they uh oh crap, what's the uh, the scientist what's her name? Oh, um Katsuragi. Katsuragi, yeah. Yeah, Katsuragi. Katsuragi. Can't think of her first name. Yeah, Katsuragi mentions that be like, it'd be like as, as long as Ava Yuna 1 is still intact. But right. like, not caring if Shinji died or not. We don't care about Shinji. We want Ava to stay intact. Yeah. And I'm going, but he's the only one that truly can pilot it. Yeah. I mean, maybe Ray could. Yeah. Asuka can't. No. We already know that from the compatibility tests. Yes. But honestly, I got, as shady as a, a Gendo is, mm-hmm. he probably really doesn't want his son piloting. He probably wants it to be Ray. But probably. Especially if my theory on what Ray is is going to come true. But we'll save yeah, that we'll, for when that happens. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Let's later. just say this is all going to get very warped and twisted. Of course, it's, it's Hideaki Anno. <laughs> yeah, it's Ava. <laughs> so we we get we get this. Uh, Shinji's about like his confidence has gone through the roof, and uh, he's uh, being very bold how he says things. It's like, well, I guess it's the man's job now, and he's just like, oh, dude, you're gonna like, get killed, Shinji. <laughs> you're learning the wrong lessons from Asuka. <laughs> But it's it's more like his his uh yes his, you needed to be more confident but not that confident <laughs> yeah exactly quit saying misogynistic things <laughs> you're making us look bad bro yes <laughs> but it's it's and you got to come up and yeah exactly I mean, like his you uh, fell down the Looney Tunes in, uh, infinite hole <laughs> yes minus is trying to kill you <laughs> well, that too that's uh, true course, so sorry go ahead so we, we have this uh, like where he gets sucked into the sucked into the uh, the angel and uh we, we have this like all the characters are trying to figure out a way to save him and obviously uh Ritsuko is like it's hey this is part of the mission this is this and this and this and uh we get um Masato Masato is like starting to understand, be like, mm-hmm. be like, I'm not being told everything I'm supposed to. What what is going on? What is Nerf doing? Be like, I don't even know who I'm working for anymore. Yeah. And um, there again, we get this big revelation from the last episode. And so now she's questioning what Nerf is doing. What is Gindo doing? What is um, uh, everybody doing? Mm-hmm. Like, what is her part in this? And uh, and then you get what is like, she a part of? What is she a part of? Because she's been because one of her things that she has been fighting up until the last episode is mm-hmm. she's angry at her father for dying mm-hmm. for nerve, mm-hmm. or as she continually pronounced it in the in the episode previous nerve. At least in the Netflix version, That's the Netflix dub. I'm going. It's nerve. Everyone else in this dub is saying nerve. Why are you saying nerve? <laughs> And um, and, and yet she went and worked for them also. Yeah. So she is 
probably questioning what on earth is she doing? What are they hiding? Especially since she is the guardian for both Shinji and Asuka. Yeah. These may not be biologically her children, but she does feel like she's their mother. Yes. Yeah, I'll get to that in just a minute. So, like, we, we get the... Like, they're trying to figure out what's happened. We're getting these... It's like, oh, as long as the ape is fine, as long as he doesn't attack, we get that. And then we get this... We get the perspective of Shinji where everything's going to break down, and he literally breaks down, and I, I love this moment where he's screaming. Like, yeah. He, he yeah. finally goes berserk. He Last was, time we had a berserk moment in this anime, it was it was the Ava going berserk while he was knocked cold. Yeah. Now he's the one going berserk and doing the same thing by somehow cracking the shadow of this thing in half and crawling out of it. Let, let me let me finish what I was going to try to say. Sorry. Like there a great point. Great point. My my point was is where he started to lose he started to lose it because he knows me like he could die at any minute. He's over here screaming like help Masato, get me out of here, help me Masato. And uh he starts listening to like Masato. It's uh, it's not uh Ayanami, it's uh 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 Asuka is the mm-hmm. second person he calls out. It's like everybody else and finally he calls his dad out when he's just like in desperation. And like you realize and be like the suit's failing, the ACL starting to break down, mm-hmm. oxygen be like, and the point where a certain spirit helps him out. <laughs> and we wonder I who did, that is. I did not mention who that was, other than the one teaser I left in there. Uh-huh. But it's very interesting who that was probably and what that might actually mean for the series. Yes. Because we are all pretty much aware that Nerve is not exactly the most up-and-up company. Yeah, Organization on the planet. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's there's that point where the uh, the Ava breaks loose, and there's also a point where when Shinji is confronting himself in the the uh, railroad cart, mm-hmm. where uh, it's be like they're they're well, doing um, himself. Yeah, he's confronting himself or you know, like the whatever it is, whatever the either it's angel, it's the angel. Yeah, it's the angel. It's the angel. Yeah, it's like painfully obvious. Yeah, it's very but that's obvious. As I'm watching that going, that's the same shirt. Yeah. My first one was like, okay, is that because I'm somewhat aware of the Ava secrets about where, how they made that? Mm-hmm. The second, is that supposed to be his mother? Yeah. In a small kid form? And then I realized, no, he's wearing a striped shirt that is very reminiscent of the thing from the beginning. This is the angel talking to him. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. And I'm granted, I assumed they were intelligent, but I didn't think they actually cared about humanity. So, yeah. And also, you get the uh, the the scene where he's talking with the the angel, the angel itself, and uh, you, we get these flashbacks or news reels of be like, oh, uh, Gendo like killed his killed his mother, and he's like, maybe. no, that's not true. Yeah, maybe killed maybe. his mother. Maybe we don't know. We don't know yet. But uh, we get this, and then we get the be like they realize, oh. Shinji at this point is probably gone, and then the Ava literally just rips out of the shot. Yeah, and the like bloody a, like, like a chicken coming out of his egg. Exactly. Which when I made started making that reference, I didn't really think it through because yeah. Shinji was a chicken at the beginning. Yeah, 
and now he's well this episode not being the chicken is what got him in trouble yeah that's true <laughs> yeah but, so so we get we get this amazing episode and then we get a uh a i i don't know what kind of time lapse will we get where shinji is awake shinji's awake and there's ayanami checking on him and with the door there's asuka <laughs> There's Asuka. Who's, obviously, she's concerned about she's, Shinji. She's concerned, but doesn't want to show it. Yeah, exactly. And Ray is at least concerned for him, but we still have no idea how to read her. Yeah. So we don't she's really know She's a doll. Why. <laughs> yes. She's basically. Yeah. We don't really know. How, we don't really know why she's concerned, or she's actually concerned for him, or concerned for the project. Yeah. I'm convinced it's the project. Maybe. But. I mean, earlier in the other episode, mm-hmm. uh, Shinji asked her pretty much, "How do I talk to my dad?" Since you apparently can get along with him, yeah, she doesn't give him an answer there either. And then she's in the helicopter when they leaves, yeah. And then we see her in the tube at the end of that one, yeah. And now she's involved here, obviously, because yeah. she's a Nava pilot. No worse for wear for why she was in that tube, uh huh. And then she's concerned for Shinji at the end of this, yeah. And going, but why? Hey, granted, she was concerned when they were, you know, standing around yelling at each other, mm-hmm. not knowing what to do to get Shinji back. Mm-hmm. But I'm still going. And F, didn't she slap Asuka? She did slap her. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so you have some respect for Shinji, mm-hmm. probably more than Gendo does. Probably. But I wonder why. Hmm. I wonder why. Huh. We'll find out we'll eventually. Find yeah, we'll find out eventually. And uh, I, I did notice, and I think it's this episode or the previous episode where we are. Um, introduced to the dummy system. They mentioned it. They mentioned the dummy system. And we heard about, we, we saw them testing the dummy plugs during the, uh, the episode with the angel that was, uh, hacking into the Magi, Magi computer. Magi computer. Yeah. So we, we know they're doing something oh, with that, yeah. which I'm assuming is take the humans out of the equation. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. But we'll, we'll we'll discover that in the next two episodes. I'm sure we will. Well, yeah, considering one of them is like, okay, now there's a fourth children or a child. But Ava Unit 4 is no longer around. This is all I'm getting off of Netflix's summary yeah. thing. I'm going, so was there a fifth children too? Because the children are one number ahead of the Ava Unit number. Mm-hmm. And we'll find that out when we get there. But I'm looking past the... Uh, I was double checking yes. uh, episode titles to make sure I had this right because uh, I know End of Evangelion technically has two episode numbers attached to it. Yeah. And I was afraid I had mixed it in with the regular one because we obviously don't need to do, do it twice. Yeah. And I was double checking that and I saw some of the other, looking closely again at some of the other episode names that I hadn't looked at in like over a year yeah. when I originally wrote the list up. And I'm going, okay, so we got some interesting things coming up. Yes. I think even though my, where I'm getting a lot of my notes did not mention we were entering another arc yet. I mm. think we have entered another yeah, arc. We are, we are out of the action arc and we're into, you know, I'm just going to call it the end of the world arc because that yeah. looks like where we're going. Third impact is, looks like it's very much on its way. Yeah, possibly. The question is, whose fault is it? As if we couldn't guess. Yeah. We, we, we shall see. We shall see. We'll get there when we get there. Yeah. Next week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we are getting into some interesting episodes. Uh, the fourth child. Yes. 
the fourth to be qualified and life and death decisions. Mm -hmm. So join us next week for that along with nine. And, uh, I guess this has been Drew. This is Jacob. And we'll catch you in the next frame. You can follow Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. His Facebook page, Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where he tries to draw each and every day. His Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. His Twitter at Jacob Heron. And his letterbox to Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. His Facebook page, Drew's photo bin to see his photography. His letterboxed page at GGeorge759. His Twitter at GGeorge759. And Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast. On Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming. On YouTube at Cellcast. On Twitter at Cast underscore Cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us, and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell with a single L. with the power. What power? The power of voodoo. Who do? You do. What? You remind me of the babe.